Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome, everybody, to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 105. I'm your host, Klaus Nightbringer, and today we are out on Diabolos. We are visiting our friends at A Stage Reborn. Um, So we're on Diabolos in the Lavender Beds, Ward 8, Plot 3, if you are joining us live and want to uh, join us in-game. Joining me today, we have Sarah Timono. Sarah, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. Just getting over a bit of a cold, but I'm down to 11 fish in uh, my fish guide. And you're kind of angry that we're doing the uh, show right now, aren't you? I mean, in about an hour and 20 minutes, the unconditional is going to be up. And usually there's like a three-day gap between those. So I hope you appreciate the sacrifice I'm making here. <laughs> Such sacrifice. But thank you a for doing A very noble this. one. I know. I'm, I'm kind of fishing. <laughs> and we are joined by Stage Reborn members, uh, Wanderer Sabaku. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We have one Scoot Patoot. Hey, everyone. And we are also joined by, uh, and I'm going to slaughter this just again. Go, just go Dino. Okay. Dino? <laughs> All right. Well, it's... Uh, you. And I got to go back to my notes here. You said it, we have so many different names. I mean, Wander is still Wander, but <laughs> that's, that's very true. Uh, Jennifer Velastraza. Mm-hmm. How bad was that? Done? In game. In game no, name. Yes. Pretty much perfect. Yeah. All right. That's what I was hoping for. So, um, Wanderer is the uh, um, in charge of the a Stage Reborn charity, and you may remember Scoot and Jennifer as. Um, uh, Puck and Obran. Oh, that's why I was gonna say Obran. I was like, that that didn't sound right, but that was like, it. <laughs> you have, it's just one of those days where you're having a real bad brain fart. So <laughs> we call those weekdays. Yes, or or for yes. me, every day. Every day you're hustling. Yes, but thank you so much for uh, allowing us to uh, have our show uh, here on Diabolos with you guys and and for joining us. Um, so, so, since the show was last weekend, what have you guys been up to since then? I've been trying to figure out what to do with myself now that the show is done. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much time in game working on rehearsals and just trying to make sure everything was ready before the show, and now the show is done, and I'm like, well, what now? I get to go back to my main server? What is this? I mean, you don't I've have been to chillin'. Spend- you don't have to spend countless hours here again? I mean, sooner or later, I will be back. I, I always enjoy uh, being back on Diabolos and helping out as I can. But, you know, my, my home server is Gilgamesh. And so, you know, after spending most of my time playing on Diabolos and helping out with the show, I get to come back to my own FC and uh, do things with them. And so it's it's nice, but it's kind of weird now because it's getting back into the swing of things with a different server culture and everything like that. Nice. How about you, Wander? I suppose it's a lot of uh, winding down time for you, or are you already ramping up for the next one? A mix of both. I have my to-do list never gets any shorter, and uh, but I, I did actually take some time off to relax this week and play a lot of uh, Grand Theft Auto, which is mm-hmm. a game I am horribly addicted to. Um, but we, uh, 
are uh, now that 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 it's the weekend, it's time to get back into work mode. So I'm I'm prepping. We're we're tabling at a local convention in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, in about three weeks. So we're prepping for that. Oh wow! Uh, we've got a couple new projects coming out, and then also um, we have our board meeting tomorrow, which we're discussing a couple uh, new projects that have been under wraps for the past few months that we're. Uh, looking to officially put together so lots going on this month wow very nice good to hear that uh everything that the show continues to go on so to speak and dino how about you the you, you uh mad dancing of the area you uh, yeah about that yeah warner <laughs> basically had to tell me uh stop goddamn working and take the freaking week off already <laughs> yeah. He had to make some threats, but unfortunately, yeah, I, even I can still take stay away because it's like, well, somebody's got to watch the mailbox. So here I am watching the mailbox. I was just gonna ask, did you actually listen though? Yeah, yeah, mostly disconnected. Today's the first time, just about all week that I've locked in or that I've logged into fourteen. So oh, very nice. That's a little little change. Otherwise, just been. Unfortunately, still in the same box as poor Wander. It's like, huh, huh. yeah, it's lovely to take time off, but then you look at the to-do list and it's only getting longer. <laughs> yeah, there will always be more things to do, but it's kind of nice, at least for now, like not working on a huge pro uh, project. Yeah, it was a massive, massive undertaking, this project. And uh, what a lot of people also don't realize is, especially the, the three of us here from the stage were born, myself, Dex, and Nanamo, um, behind the scenes and off the stage, out of Final Fantasy XIV, we actually have um, actual jobs within the charity itself that are unrelated to the project. So even when we're not doing an active show, there's always still work going on in the background with what we do. Very cool. Um, and we'll get more into um, d that kind of discussion uh, a little bit later on in the show. Um, but again, we wanted to really thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to uh, sit with us and, uh, and tell us a little bit more about it uh, when we get to our discussion. Sarah, I'm assuming you've been mainly fishing. Uh, so I had been fishing a lot, but it's kind of gotten to the point where it's like, okay, this fish is done. Now there's like a four or five hour window until the next one. So I had to actually find stuff to start doing. Uh, so I started leveling Blue Mage since I had never gotten around to that. Uh, collected some triple triad cards. Collected a lot of triple triad cards. Oh god, are triple triad cards my new fish? Probably. Once uh, all the fish are done. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so also just leveling Blue Mage, and I actually started doing a little bit of Dancer, uh, which, especially now that they're having the uh, new Tombstone event thing, uh, it's like, okay, I guess this is an incentive to finally get uh, some of that. They have those Orchestrian roles I've been wanting for ages, so I decided I'd actually try for this one. Hmm. Very nice. And I think I see a Talus snuck in on the uh, channel as well. I did. I finally got to a place where I actually had Wi-Fi. So, nice. hi everyone. The the most interesting potato on the planet had uh, basically packed up his life because he's trying to figure out what his next uh, adventure is going to be. So he was unsure if he was going to make it tonight. But thank you for, for taking the time to join us. 
Oh yeah, I was able to make it. I'm still not actually sure uh, what that thing is. I might be moving to Nagasaki in about eight days. I might not be leaving Seattle at all. There's a lot of stuff that's happening and I don't get control over it. So my life has been utter chaos for the last two weeks. But you love it, don't you? I thrive on chaos. I, I, I kind of figured you were the kind that did. But uh, you know, if, if anybody of us d does, it would be you. I personally could not take it. It's fun. Internally screaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Scoot. Yeah, it's been just absolute mayhem where a month ago I had a locked-in job in South Korea and then it was China and now it's Japan and now it might be Japan next year and it also might be Japan next week. And I have I absolutely no idea. I feel like we need to have a discussion on the meaning of the term locked in. <laughs> yeah. yeah! <laughs> I decided not to give them the money that they asked for because giving somebody money to give me a job doesn't sound like a great idea. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. That sounds be... rather sketch. Yeah, I mean, it's a placement fee and there's a bunch of like legal stuff that does have to get done that I can't actually do that has to be done by the company that's hiring me. And that's fine. But maybe you take that out of my payroll and not necessarily require me to invest yeah. in order to that's work for you. Generally, supposed to be something that the company hiring you takes care of. Yeah. Like they, here's the catch they pay that back at the end of my contract. So they do, but with the caveat of I'm stuck in South Korea for a year. And last time I went to South Korea, I ended up living in an airport bathroom for four days. I'd like to avoid that. Yeah. I mean, there's also often the question, what if something happens such that the uh, you aren't able to do the entire length of the contract? Like getting fired on my second day for being too high calorie to date a woman? What? Yes, that is. I, I did not misspeak. That is actually the reason why I was terminated from I'm my job. I'm so confused. So short yeah. version, I went to South Korea. I got fired on my second day. I no longer had a legal visa, a job, or a place to stay. I wasn't legally allowed to be in the country. I had $400 to my name and everything I own in a suitcase. The reasoning just sounds super sketch, too. Hmm. Yeah, it was a mess, but yeah. it was fine. I got back. Uh, I remember getting picked up in Canada by a friend. I remember tacos happened at some point on the journey home, and then I remember waking up in front of my house. The two friends that picked me up are currently in the room smiling at me because they were like, "Oh yeah, that was a that was a bad." So the moral of the story is tacos and friends. Yes, you extract some very strange morals from these things. Yes. <laughs> But, I mean, tacos and friends. Come on. I mean, they were good tacos from what I remember. There is a picture of me looking absolutely dejected as a human being. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Wanderer, I'll say this. They were not as good of tacos as you can get at Gordito. That's sad. <laughs> and, yes, I know exactly where your office is, oh. by the way. And I was like, oh, hey, I know where this is. All right. Let's just go ahead and continue on here. We got a little bit of show news to talk about. Um, namely, we currently still have our Fat Cat Haiku contest going. We are still accepting entries until October 18th. So if you want to win your own Fat Cat um, mount, please um, tweet at us at PHXDN Radio with your own Fat Cat Haiku. And you will be entered in. We will read through them. And we will pick a winner on the next show. So please, please, please 
We want to hear. We are looking forward to reading through them. Absolutely, we are absolutely looking forward to. I want to hear all of the amazing uh, creative ways people are uh, going to uh, um, talk about the fat cat in ancient Japanese poetry form. If somebody (laughs) submits one in full correct kanji, handwritten, you will instantly get bonus points with me. Plus, don't forget the seasonal references. Exactly. Talos might actually buy a fat cat for you himself. You never know. (laughs) Uh, The other big news with the show is in four weeks, it's Extra Life. So we we are exactly four weeks away today. Um, Seriously? Already? The 24-hour stream will begin November 2nd at 8 a.m. Central Time. Um, And during that, we will also be airing episode 107 live. So that's going to be interesting. We'll be That'll about, be super fun. We'll be about 12 hours into the stream. so. Um, oh, dude, you're going to be so sideways. I can't wait. Hey, actually, I am perfectly fine up until about 3 a.m. That's when it starts to get sideways. But uh, I'll probably try and um, avoid caffeine as much as possible until I start needing it. That seems to help me a lot. But uh, aside from that, um, this will be our third year doing the Extra Life game day stream. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm thinking about picking up Jackbox so we can get some uh, viewer interaction. You Dude, Jackbox play. is sweet. We should definitely do that. Yeah, Emmy, you remember when we did that as a group two years ago, right? I do remember that. And that was a lot of fun. <laughs> you got to get on some of that quiplash. <laughs> I still have Golf with Friends installed just from uh, doing Extra Life with you and Remix like years ago. So if you guys listening or watching have any ideas of games that you would like to see us play here on on Phoenix Down Radio, uh, let us know, and I'll see if we can pick those up. So um, like I said, we're definitely taking your your feedback on that. All right. Um, So let's go ahead and jump into some uh, game and community news. Um, This one I'm actually very excited to talk about. I know if you guys follow... um, Varikre or a Varimatsu out on Twitter. But uh, kind of. he recently put together a collection of uh, um, three albums that it's uh, basically rearrangements of a number of uh, Uematsu's music in Final Fantasy. Um, so the, the three albums he has out right now are named Prelude, Hardships, and Relations. And I'm really looking forward to uh, playing through those. Um, I actually just talked with uh, um, Vari earlier today. And uh, he is okay with us featuring these on the next Music Monday. So if you guys want to tune in, um, we're going to be playing a number of selections from his uh, arrangement albums on on Music Monday this coming Monday. So... Please uh, make sure to check that out. But I am currently putting uh, links into uh, the uh, Twitch chat for his uh, Bandcamp and for the YouTube channels. So make sure to go check those out. Um, he's actually working on a fourth one right now as well. So definitely please look forward to that. I mean, does it, it, it never seems to, it never uh, ceases to amaze me how much um, creativity and uh, love goes into this community when it comes to stuff like this. 
Yeah, I think for a lot of people, I've seen uh, where different Final Fantasy things, especially with how long the series has been running, this was stuff that was a formative experience for us. People grew up with them, people were playing these games, enjoying these stories, learning from them at really formative times in their life, and so it's something that shapes a lot of the ways that we think, and I think uh, that's something that people want to show all that love, a lot of that love and appreciation for. Uh, I've always felt how we the stories we tell and how we tell them shapes a lot of who we are as people, and these are stories that shape who we are. And so it's no surprise to me that people want to use these stories uh, to express and tell their own feelings. Mm. I really love it. It's also beautiful music. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely that. All right. Um, Boy, Matsu is a legend after all. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> He's I'm, incredible. I hope he's in get better health these days, though. He has been, I believe. He's been getting quite a bit better from what he um, like earlier in the year. I, they, he was uh, tweeting out about um, having to take time off, but I believe he is back doing a little bit more work. So I don't expect him to do much. We just want him. To I mean, how old him. is he now? I don't know. He's I think he's I think mid seventies. I thought might be getting older. I don't remember. I mean, he is definitely on that. That scale of, hey, health problems. Woo! But hopefully he continues to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, also, a little earlier this week, um, Square Enix revealed the uh, cover art for Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it's paying homage to the original NA release of Final Fantasy VII with uh, Cloud looking up at the uh, Shinra reactor with the Buster Sword on his back. Have you guys had a chance to take a look at that? I'm pretty sure it's Shinra HQ, but yeah. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah, Shinra HQ. Yeah, that's the headquarters. There's like that whole thing of him standing before the building when they're about to start infiltrating the place. But it's it's just a a beautiful-looking image. A well-done homage to, to the original. So, Brings back a lot of memories. Uh, there was mm-hmm. also a new trailer that was released of gameplay, uh, prominently featuring Tifa, Aerith, and Cloud uh, battling the Abzu, and uh, they also show summoning Ifrit. So that's actually a really cool-looking fight. I'm going to link the uh, YouTube video in the chat here. We'll also have it in the show notes as well for everybody listening out on the podcast. Um it shows a little bit of how the battle system works and uh, you know, gives a little bit of gameplay because you can switch between characters. You're not stuck playing as Cloud. Uh, you can switch and uh, manually control Tifa, Aerith, Barrett, whoever's in your party shows how the, um, the, the, um, the game controls work and then how that summoning bar works. It's uh, really, really well done, I believe, and I'm looking extremely looking forward to uh, actually playing this game in March. Yeah, it looks like they've gone to something with the more uh, modern view of summons rather than having them be essentially a big, uh, a really fancy looking area of attack uh, single spell, having it be a persistent creature uh, that attacks somewhat under its own volition though you can give it orders, and has an ultimate that it charges up. Yeah. So the type of model that we started seeing in 12, a little bit in 11, uh, but uh, kind of that more modern understanding of summons. I just think that... I mean, let's Go ahead. Let's be real here. The earlier summons, they were pretty much just a fancy skin on a regular spell. Oh yeah, and some of the games even refer to them as like caller versus summoner. 
a summoner would actually call down the being, whereas a caller, it was like, yeah, it's just fire five, and we just call it Ifrit. Ooh, someone has an awesome ringtone. <laughs> that would be me, and I don't know this number. Uh, but yeah, the, the character model for Ifrit is absolutely amazing as well. Yeah. Really and well they're done. They're staying with the original art, which is ideal. Mm-hmm. Everybody else have this game on pre-order? Not yet, but that's mostly because I was waiting for another paycheck or two. Makes sense. It's definitely I on the list. I personally uh, have never really latched on to FF7. I haven't played it, and it doesn't particularly resonate with me, but I know a lot of friends who are super excited about it. So if you are excited... Sweet, keep up that hype. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah, not like I said, it's not everybody's favorite game, and there's a lot of people who think that Final Fantasy VII is overrated. Personally, I really enjoyed um, how it played. I actually had to play it on the PC. I never had a PS One, so mm-hmm. yeah, I think a lot of it again comes down to like those various formative experiences. For myself, I I didn't have a PlayStation One, but this was around the time when. A video rental store had just opened up uh, not too far from my house, and oh my gosh, I'm dating myself just with that, where you could actually rent a PlayStation, so it was like this big exciting thing to rent the PlayStation and Final Fantasy VII and playing that. I was always more of like a Nintendo person, so I, I never really caught on to any of the FF games until I started with fourteen. Mm, that's so definitely from a... a bit of a different perspective than I think a lot of FF14 players might be coming from. But no, I, I think yeah, that's a, for sure. a great part of, of the community, though. I mean, because we are all coming from different aspects. Like I said, I started with Final Fantasy 1 way back in the day, and then I didn't play another Final Fantasy, like mainline one until 7, because I never had a uh, Super Nintendo or a 64 or any of those others. So I didn't have the opportunity to get in there until later, and then I jumped back in 9, 10, 11... 12, 13, been playing them all since. Yep. But um, for, my, for myself, it was four and six from the video rental store, and then five using methods of questionable legality that you can't actually prove anything about in the statute of limitations is long past, so let's just leave that alone. Ah, uh, memories. I started with FF1 and then ended up with a bunch of imported copies that I later in life found out were Final Fantasy titles, 2 and 3 specifically. Uh But I had no idea what they were because I was a kid. I was like 4 when Final Fantasy 1 came out. And I'm playing 3 and I'm like, oh, these guys have silly hats. It's the Onion Knights. I have no idea. (laughs) I was like 7 and it was in Japanese. I had no clue. And then I'm like, oh, 4 happened. Oh, 6 happened. And then 7 comes out. I'm like, has anybody played Chrono Trigger? Do you guys know Dragon Quest exists? Anybody played Yeast? Anybody... All right, never mind. Like, I'm playing JRPGs. Everybody else is like, oh, Seven's amazing. I'm like, looking at this giant library of stuff I played. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Plus, everyone's, or a lot of people are like, well, Aerith's death means a lot to all of us. And then the kids from 1989 are like, hey, um, yeah, about that. You should go play Final Fantasy Star 2 instead. We already had our tragic endings. Yeah, play some Fantasy Star games. You'll. You'll really uh, appreciate the design yeah, difference. Play, oh, play why haven't they remade Suikoden too? I don't know, but the boy, do I not want to spend. The only boyfriends, and I will not accept any other interpretation. Sarah's a shipper confirmed. Okay, I am nowhere near alone on that. <laughs> I don't understand a single word. You're not alone. Yeah, that's about normal. <laughs> All right, but... in on 14 which is crazy and also amazingly cool 
All right. Let's go ahead and continue moving on. We have a lot of really cool information that dropped earlier this week as well. New housing wards are being added. Woo! 19 people. Yes. But don't get your hopes up. They are locked. Two free companies. For well, now. relocation we'll see how many still actually be possible. Yeah. I'm not sure. Oh. They haven't it's said anything nice. about that. But, uh, uh, there was something in the announcement on that. Existing people can relocate to the new spots, which would, of course, free up a new one. But they're not, uh, the, new, uh, the vacated plots would still only be purchasable by free companies. I imagine then oh, what's okay. going to happen is all the people with existing houses are going to take the new large ones and medium ones. And then all the new FCs are going to be fighting over the smalls. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my prediction. Awesome. I mean, I would imagine that uh, some amount of uh, people are going to uh, be relocating to the same size house, just in a better location. That too. No doubt. Okay, yep, I do see it at the bottom. Players may still relocate any private or free company estates they presently own. Yep. I mean, I don't plan on relocating anything, but like, I know I, a lot of people are trying to get stuff. I may try and jump to a large house for my personal which would then open up my medium in uh, um, Ward 1 of the Goblet um, to anybody who wants to buy it, because it says individuals may still purchase plots in Wards 1 through 18. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. Anybody who yeah. moves from one of the old wards to one of the new wards will be able... Um, they, they can okay. do that, but the, the houses that open up are available to anybody. Just yeah. know you're still gonna have to do. You're still gonna be dealing with the hidden cooldown or the the hidden the time, timers. Yes. Yeah, but it's just the individuals. The individuals then are still not going to be able to buy anything for themselves if it's their first house. If it's their second house, if they already have a house and they want to move it, for example, then they can just relocate it anywhere. Yes, They've, they'll always so, be able to relocate. It's just they'll you'll be able to buy a house once the hidden timer goes up in the in the in existing wards that you can't buy a, a house in one of the new wards. So if, if that makes sense. But it is very exciting. The other really cool piece of news that came out of that is they were going to be adding a ton of apartment buildings. Each of the new uh, wards will, will be getting an apartment building, plus all the subdivisions are getting apartment buildings. Mm. That's not that different than what it is now. That's but standard yeah, that's for the true. ward. It's nice, I think, for places where housing is very congested, like Baumong, for example. But even Baumong, like, a lot of the apartments are just taken, from what I know. Yeah. It's very tough to even get an apartment there. For really any server other than maybe Baumong and Mateus, I don't think apartments are going to have a big impact on it. Most people still want their yard, their house. Yeah. They want a workshop. If you they know. have a free company. Mm-hmm. If you have a free company, you definitely want the workshop. And you yes. might want the yard so you can grow crystal. Oh, dang it. My submersible's back. Do you know how much I'm giving up by being here? Oh, just a little bit. Oh, okay. That's fine then. <laughs> so, please look forward to that. We still don't have a release date of patch 5.1 but we'll probably find out um in live letter 55 which has been announced for friday october 18th at 4 a.m pacific okay so they said it was going to be like late october when we got the patch if they're doing a live letter on the 18th it's gonna are be we getting a patch on halloween 
Yeah, it's seeming like it's it, very it? likely. That I mean, like well, well, look at the last time they ran the Moogle event, guys. It'll the, be the, the Moogle event ran for a full month before they dropped, you know, before they dropped 5.0. You know, that ran for a full month. So just by looking at that alone as a data point strongly implies that the next thing or that the or that 5.1 will be at the end of October, right before Halloween, yeah, which would be October 29th. Yep. So, I mean, th that's a very strong possibility. Not very likely that they're going to drop it on the 22nd. I feel like that's not enough time between the live weather exactly. and and the patch. So Yeah, I had worried a little bit because I was like, hey, they increased the tombstones uh, yield on this one. Maybe they're making it nicer. And I was like, wait, did they increase the tombstone yield because they reduced the time? Uh, but I don't know. I'm hoping. Ah, we have a giant cat that's sitting on Sarah. We'll find out. <laughs> oh, oh my! What did I do to you? <laughs> Besides, you know all the things. <laughs> also, if you want to jump into the Discord, you're more than welcome to, because I, I, I you were also a, a wonderful part of that, and you, you're a friend of the show. So, if you want to jump into the show channel, by all means, do so. Um, so I kind of skipped. Uh, okay, so let's finish this one. Um, they're going to be talking about um, Yorha and then the upcoming Ishgard restoration. Um, so we may see a little bit of how that's all going to work, which would be kind of nice. Um, Easily. See if maybe, maybe they'll hint at when housing may become available. But uh, we'll have to see. Um, but they haven't released the links yet, but there's a good chance that it's going to be out on uh, twitch.tv slash Final Fantasy XIV, as well as um, maybe a YouTube and uh, Nico Nico. But, oh, uh, and uh, another no important note about the live letter is that it will only be in Japanese. Oh, yeah. They're not doing the translation. Or we might get the translation like a day or so later. Um, you know, you'll get the quote-unquote official sanitized responses. In English, uh, later, yeah, but true. if you want what is actually said, unfortunately, you're gonna have to ask a friend that knows Japanese, or I hope you've learned enough to pick up a little idi a couple of idioms here and there. Yep. Sites like uh, Reddit um, will be doing some unofficial translating. I'm still oh, pretty much course. limited to food terms. Uh, Marco Turn will probably be doing some uh, tr uh, translating as well. So there will be a few unofficial ones happening during that time. Um, I'm sure Matt will be doing some uh, tweets, and then we'll get the uh, the official um, recap about a week later. So, but uh, the nice thing about it, usually all the slides have English on them, so we can pick up a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's more just to see what they're gonna try and hawk at us uh, at the end of the live letter, isn't it? The things that we're not gonna get in NA. That we're going to have to have Talos pick up for us when he goes to Japan. Yeah, to that end, uh, if that does happen, I do have a three-day trip to Tokyo built into this whole Temple program. So, you know, please look forward. <sighs> I'll be sending you my list yeah. later. Uh, I got PayPal, y'all. We got this. Exactly. All of that merch that is unobtainable. I brought back an unhealthy amount of Postmaster Moogles last time. <laughs> Dang. 
All right. I did skip over one other update that, that they showed up, they talked about in the Lodestone. Um, and that's an update to the mentor system that was announced. Um, in 5.1, in order to maintain your battle mentor status, you will now have to have received 1,500 commendations in addition to the other changes to the mentor system. Oof, I'm a tank main, and I've only barely hit 1,500. Uh, what am I at now? Uh, my main is at about 2,000, so I'm good there, and I've already taken care of uh, tank, healer, and DPS um, storylines. So, oh, uh, I don't plan on doing that, but I can do trade mentor if I wanted to. Trade mentor uh, status did not change. This is only like for ba correct. for the battle one. Correct. Yeah, I also did and also change it so there's not just a general mentor one. There's specifically PvP or battle mentors. Yep, for you to qualify for those. Plus, also take note that trade mentors you will not be qualified for the mentor roulette. Yes. So in order Which to enter is... the roulette, you have to have. A PvP you have to be battle. battle. Yes, I don't see that as a huge issue because the people that really, really, really want the crafting and gathering mentor status, they're not the people that are going to be going into roulettes daily to help other players anyway. They're going to be monitoring the market and showing well, people how to use their skills. Unless they want that mount. True. But they're just going to yeah, drop it. That's and... a foolhardy notion, my friend. <laughs> and Will in chat saying, I'm almost up to 5k and y'all are making me wonder how and why. People must not like my tanking, I think that, and I hardly ever do battle stuff at this point anyways. I Honestly, the main thing that gets me a lot of commendations is uh, the fact that I never shut up and I usually make pleasant conversation or crack jokes or things like that. People seem to appreciate that more than anything else. Like, those are the, hey, I got three commands as DPS because I made the run pleasant. Yeah, D DPS, it's sometimes difficult to get the commend, um, depending on a number of circumstances. Like I said, if, if you're like Sarah and you just don't shut up, that's one thing. But most people are just busy trying to get through the dungeon and then most people don't seem to give commands. Like, you need to not shut up, but also have something that's vaguely worth listening to, which I'm not quite sure how I'm managing that last bit, but... I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you want to read up more about all of those uh, upcoming changes, I'll, you'll see this in the show notes as well, but I'm going to paste it into the Twitch chat. So, lots of stuff going on. Lots of fun things to look forward to this month. Um... So, but we are going to go ahead and jump into our um, discussion topic, which is uh, the reason we have our lovely guests here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about A Stage Reborn. Um, now, Wanderer, um, you guys have been doing this now for, was it three years? Since uh, 2015. So uh, almost, almost four now. Uh, we'll be four years old on Halloween. Yeah, I think uh, your first show was listed as 2016, but there was obviously preparation time before that. Oh, yeah. Our, our first show was December of 2016, and then we didn't actually become a charity until 2017. Okay, so what got you started into wanting to uh, create a Stage Reborn? So, honestly, the, the very first thing was um, I was out in Seattle for law school, and I had come out of a theater degree and I spent a few years in theater uh, doing some work with a community theater out in Scottsbluff, Nebraska 
So when I went out to Seattle, I was all excited because, you know, the creative scene in Seattle is amazing. They have they have an actual theater that's dedicated to experimental and absurdist theater, which I wanted to check out because that's my I did my thesis on that and everything. So I was like, oh, I got to I got to get involved in the creative scene here. Uh, but then I learned when you're going to law school, you do not have time for that. Uh, but I did have time to kind of, you know, I, you know, between assignments, homework, legal writing assignments, um, I had enough time to to get on Final Fantasy fourteen and play for a couple hours here and there. Um, so ultimately, I, uh, you know, I would use that for my my creative use of my time, which. At the time, I was actually more into raids, so I didn't do much creative stuff until Halloween of 2015. Yeah, 2015. Uh, a couple people started doing costume contests that month, and so uh, I took myself and a few other people um, went to these contests. There was pretty big turnouts on the Diabolo server for them, and um, and then the contests ended, and you know I won a couple of them, and I was like. Why don't people do these more often? This is so much fun. And just all the creative stuff you could do. Uh, the second contest I entered, I did a skit. Because I was like, wait a second, I can use macros and abilities. I can do a skit here. Um, and so I did a little skit, and I, I won a prize with that uh, with that contest. And um, But then I was like, you know, Halloween is going to end, and nobody's going to do anything like this for, like, another year. And so why don't, you know, this should be something that, that happens on a regular basis. And so... I ended up posting a Halloween contest, and my plan was to try and keep doing these kind of creative events because I realized that I could I could use my you know my know how from theater and everything to use housing and like build like little stages and stuff to host these contests on and encourage people to get creative in the game itself. Um, and I really love doing the skit more than just the costume contest. So I figured the more people I could get in to do the costume contest, I could start throwing skit contests out there and get more people to do skits and then, you know, kind of use that as a, as a theatrical outlet. Um, so it actually, it got a lot of reception. We were doing monthly contests. Um, big enough that I had to stop doing it in my free company and ended up getting a mansion to do the, the events out of, which is that that's when we adopted the name of Stage Reborn. Um, a lot of people hopped in right away to support us. Uh, some of the people um, are still on the staff today even. And uh, so after about a year of doing costume contests and skit competitions, we had enough community support that I was like, okay, we have enough people. I think we can sit down and actually try to do a production. Um, let's do something that's that's kind of short, kind of iconic and accessible. That's not going to be, you know, we didn't want to start with something complex right away because a lot of the work gets into it. Uh, and that's when we did I Want to Be Your Canary. That did a lot more work than we expected. And the turnout was absolutely, you know, I, I never imagined it would it would end up that way. Uh -huh. And... Um, Quick reference for listeners who may not be uh, familiar with it. I Want to Be Your Canary is the short play within a play uh, that ends up being an important device in Final Fantasy IX. Uh, the main character's theater troupe is putting it on and it ends up uh, recurring in a couple things. And the opening acts of the, of the game involve putting on that show and a lot of the events that go around it. Exactly. And I, uh, I learned, because I actually, I never played 9 until then. I just knew it was, it was a popular play within a game. Um, and so I, uh, I looked into it and, and played 9 a bit and, and also learned that you also you get thrown into it at the beginning of the game. And it's also important at the end of the game. Um, so we figured, you know, there was other people who suggested it as well. And we were like, this will be a good way to test the waters. Um, 
the response from the community from that was big enough that it kind of just it dominoed into what a stage reborn is today very nice and then since then you have done um other shows um like you did maria and draco you did a, a rendition of the worker and then most recently um a midsummer night's dream um how did i know each one of those is you know quite a bit uh, of a step up from the previous one um did just your experience in general kind of lead you down that path to kind of go bigger and better each time we always try to one up what we've previously done uh because you know and we have we even have photos of like the the housing decorations and stuff we've used over the years we, we always try to expand what we're doing because we never just want to repeat the same things we want to build more opportunities for the public for communities um so a lot of it was you know once we did canary the next question was okay can can we do real life like an like an actual theatrical production um not not something originally written not something that's meant for you know not you know can we do something that's real life stage and um i have done the worker in real life before so i picked that out because it was a it was a pretty pretty short show because it's a one act so it was only about you know 25 30 minutes and um it was a lot more difficult because that was you know the first time we actually took something meant for real life and put it into a game where canary was something originally in the game already um and the reception for that was also really good and we were we we knocked it out of the park with it so uh i think it's our second most viewed show on youtube as well right now so from that point forward we were just like okay we've, we've proven we can do real theater in this medium um let's take it a step farther and that's when we really started getting into the the whole becoming a charity and starting to make arts opportunities more accessible. Um, we revisited doing kind of game stuff and went with Maria and Draco, where we wanted to kind of pay homage to all of the fan work that came out of Final Fantasy VI opera and the song. Um, so we kind of, you know, we, we incorporated some of the OC remix lyrics. We incorporated, you know, both original and remake translations of the lyrics in the game and whatnot. Uh, and we kind of, you know, we wrote our own story for it. And, you know, we wanted to see, okay, we've done plays. Can we take something like the, the opera scenes and can we turn it into a play? Uh, and that one received a lot of reception as well. Um, and then, so then after that, the next question was, you know, what do we do next? And so then the show after that, we did Canary again. Although with the reprise, we, I handed it off to some of our creative folks. And I said, hey, um, you know, go ahead and make, you know, additional writings to the script. If you want to fill it with more backstory, go ahead and do that. Try new things with the set. And we want to, you know, kind of revisit our roots and do something even more with it. Um, and that was a pretty good success as well. And then after that, we spent a long, long time working on Shakespeare uh, because this is this has been this production that we just finished, A Midsummer Night's Dream, has kind of been a capstone of all of our efforts since the very beginning. Um, because to, to do a play like this, and especially to do a play that's two plus hours long, um, 
It was very difficult, very challenging, really pushed everything that we knew how to do to the limits. Um, and it gave a, a huge opportunity for the public to access the arts by participating, by watching. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a, a crazy road getting to this point. And I'm, I mean, I'm still sitting here thinking like, oh my God, what are we gonna do next? Because every time we do a show, it's like five times bigger than the last. <laughs> Uh, so one thing I was actually curious about on that, uh, mentioning some of the shows that you've done, uh, how much did the fact that this is a, a Final Fantasy MMO, a lot of people who play it are going to be familiar with a lot of the Final Fantasy ones, did, how much of a factor was that in selecting, hey, let's do this Final Fantasy theme thing that people may be a little more familiar and more comfortable with? <laughs> I want to say probably somewhere around 50%, because a lot of it, too, was um, because we haven't done as many real-life theater shows. I mean, technically, you could take our scripts and you could do the, the game-based shows in real life. Um, but we wanted to pick things that were identifiable to the community, um, something that they were more familiar with and relate to, because that makes it easier for them to get involved. It encourages them to get involved. I mean, if somebody said, hey, are you a fan of Final Fantasy IX? come do Canary with us in this video game versus, hey, do some two-hour Shakespeare with us. More people might be apt to choose one over the other. Um, and, we, and that's the other thing, too. Even though what we do is really... A, a daunting thing and rehearsals are tough and you know by the end of the show everyone's wiped out uh it's the same in real life and so we you know sometimes we we base our selection to kind of help with that um because we we don't want people to feel that they have to say no to getting involved with us because they don't know shakespeare or because they're not experienced in theater if they can if they can latch onto the excitement of something like canary you know then we can give them the opportunity opportunity to learn more, get more comfortable on stage, teach them some techniques, and encourage them to get involved in the bigger, crazier projects we do, like the Shakespeare show. Now, I know you had mentioned uh, that you have a theater background, but not everybody who gets involved with the Stage Reborn does. I, I, from my understanding, a lot of people who joined in for um, A Midsummer Night's Dream really didn't have much of a theater background, but were still integral parts to the performance. How did that go for them? Hey, Moose, do you have anything to say? <laughs> <laughs> pay no attention to the moose behind the curtain uh, yes we did have wander in anonymous who uh was featured in the show as duke Aegeus, i believe your name is pronounced Aegeus, I, I, I think is the pronunciation and i think it was a friend of the duke technically yes he he's kind of like an athenian general kind of bros with, with Duke Theseus, but he's not a Duke himself. Still considered uh, very noble, though. Right. Yeah, and he wants to murder his daughter in case she doesn't marry the uh, guy that he wants. Yes, <laughs> that is also true. I like to believe that it was just an intervention he was trying to stage. <laughs> but no, I just, I believe in lifting up people who lift up community, and ASR does so much for this community, and then one day Nanamo here was just like, cool, you're gonna be Aegeus, and I was like, cool, wait. Wait, what? So now I'm here crashing your stream again. Which is perfectly fine. You're always welcome to join us, Moose. Um, so yeah, we've talked about uh, kind of how you got started. Um, the idea, though, of, of doing plays within a video game is still probably a really odd idea to a lot of people out there. Um, how has the community... Um, latched onto that idea yeah i would this is a type of thing where it's like 
were people always excited? Was there skepticism? Was there anything that you had to push through in terms of community concerns and attitudes? Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there's, there's always skepticism. And here's the thing, though. I mean, look at, look at real life theater, look at Broadway, look at off Broadway, look at, look at, you know, all the theater, all the performing arts, look at Hollywood versus indie films, you know, and, and look at all the skepticism about things related to media and the arts out there. It's inescapable. You're always going to get naysayers. You know, we've, it's funny because every time we post something on YouTube, there's always like, it's like one thumbs down we instantly get. So I, I think there's somebody out there that just waits for us to thumbs down. <laughs> like, but, but here's the thing. It's, you know, we're, we're never going to be able to please 100% of the people. We're never going to be able to convince 100% of the people out there that what we're doing is, is charitable and important for the community and public at large. Um, there's some people out there that will never convince that we're a charity and not content creators. Like there's it's, and, and the thing is, um, well, those are always concerns because, you know, I, I care so deeply about my charity. I always, I see the one negative response and I grill myself over it. How do I make that? How do I turn that around? How can I do better next time? How can I teach my team to, to improve? Where, where can I be spotting things to improve and, and, and build upon uh, to, to have a, a better chance of, of hitting a perfect 100% likes next time? Um, even though I know that's nearly impossible. Um but the the bigger picture is that a lot of people regardless have a respect for what we do and and see the importance in contributing to the arts in the projects that we do and you know i think that is really just the um you know the 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 main outcome of the community response so I, I get excited i ramble here but no that's fine um let's talk about the charity then uh so like i said you had started um, the idea of a stage reborn back in 2015 around the Halloween time frame. And then you said you registered as a charity um, a, a little over a year later, correct? Uh, about two years. It was um, June, June, uh, June 26th, 2017 is our official. Okay, so what is the actual mission of the, uh, the charity uh, side of a stage reborn? So, A Stage Reborn's mission is to make arts opportunities and experiences more accessible. And aside from doing that within Final Fantasy XIV, how do you guys want to do that? Oh, we have, going back to my, my list of to-dos that never goes away, um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of projects, and... I know we, we don't have the official announcements out now, but like one of them is if you're familiar with uh, Eric Whitaker's uh, virtual choir, um, we're doing a project kind of based on that. Um, we did some revamping of it in the background during A Midsummer Night's Dream, so there's going to be announcements on that coming up soon to help teach people uh, music theory and, and choir singing that might not have a background that they're comfortable enough to audition at their local choir. Um, there's also um, educational workshops we've been doing. Uh, we did a lot of Shakespeare workshops leading up to the show. We have a, a massive amount of workshops that are being drafted. Um, pretty much my entire four-year undergraduate bachelor's of music and theater is being converted. Like I'm, I, I literally, I have all the files 
from all of my classes, all the all the lectures and everything, all the class material, and we're we're going through that, and we're kind of distilling them into one, two, three-hour workshops. Um, so that way, if you want to take a workshop on play production, you'll be able to attend over Discord, over webcam in Final Fantasy, in Ion, Guild Wars. We're 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 making these workshops adaptable to as many mediums as possible. So uh, the thing is, it takes a long time to actually do that. Um, because we, we don't want mediums to limit us. So a lot of care goes into crafting these to make them work not only inside an actual classroom, but also in any other medium we can teach it through. Um, so there's going to be a lot of visual and performing arts workshops uh, in that style coming out. Uh, let's see, what else do we have going on? Well, we've got a Discord channel that I think has been very very helpful in like just spreading the word about what people are doing and people can give like critique or suggestions for improvement on other people's art styles as well so even just having a discord server where we say hey post any kind of art you create and share it with everybody else i think that's also been an amazing thing and just as asr has grown and as you know, hype has built for the productions, we've also been saying, hey, if you're any kind of artist whatsoever, if you're an actor, if you're a singer, if you're a director, if you write, if you draw, it doesn't matter what you are. If you like art and you want to share it with other people, join our Discord. And so that has grown immensely, uh, especially like with each new production, we just tend to get a big influx of people. Um, but we've just been working on growing that community as well. And that's discord.gg slash a stage reborn. Is that correct? That is, yes. All right. And, uh, to add on to that note, too, and um, we're, we're really responsive with the community and those that are creatives, content creators, artists, actors, voice actors. Um, often we, you know, we look at the demand, what's out there, what people want to do, what we're able to provide, and we try to strike a balance between those. Um, and one of those places where it comes through uh, with, with our programs and activities through Discord is we started doing a, a, a regular contest on our Discord server. And currently we're doing, you know, a, a very traditional Halloween costume contest. However, the caveat is, you know, being a stage reborn, we always have to take it outside the traditional medium and transform it. So we know a lot of people out there love Halloween, love getting in costume, um, but costumes can be expensive. Costumes and Halloween plans can be time consuming. Some people work overtime over Halloween and never actually get to celebrate it once they hit 18 and they get into college or they're working and whatnot. Um, so rather than just do a, you know, post a costume of, you know, take a selfie of your costume, co uh, whatever, and post it in our contest room, we, um, Oh, if my audio is sounding off, yeah, just let me know. I know my microphone's not the greatest. But uh, with the costume contest that we're doing, people are able to um, submit a costume in any medium that represents them. So, um, so rather than you know taking a selfie of yourself in your Halloween costume, if you don't have a Halloween costume, but you can glamour up your character in 14 and submit that as your costume, that's fine too. If you can't get a costume in real life, but you're like, hey, I can draw myself in a Halloween costume, we'll take that as a costume contest submission. So it's it's literally any kind of medium where you can represent yourself in a costume for Halloween, that is what the contest is, is allowing you to submit. So that way, you know, it gives people the opportunity to be in a costume contest no matter what their uh, 
what their you know availability to do a costume contest is. Okay. And that includes real life too. If you're a cosplayer and you created your own costume or something like that, you can post that and it's just the same. It's it's just as well as if you did it with like a screenshot or a drawing. So you had mentioned earlier that you, that you wanted to take the idea of performing in um, in games and do it with other um, game mediums, like you'd mentioned uh, um, Guild Wars and a few others. Have you tried that aspect yet, or is these just ideas that you want to do? There are ideas. A few of us have been exploring. Um, I have been playing Ion for a very long time, and so we're, we it's it's more of you know kind of. In order to do it in the game, we kind of have to get some kind of level of mastery of the game to understand the limitations, uh, which is why, you know, a lot of us will spend, like, I personally spend countless hours working on, like, housing glitches and, and pushing macros to the limits so, so I know what we can do in 14. Um, the same has to be done for the other games, and then we kind of take a look at the big picture and say, okay, what can this medium be best used with is it a live theater project is it machinima is it you know just going to be screenshots and maybe a webcomic project um and we kind of you know we look at it from that angle because we you know we we do have a little bit of a habit where sometimes we'll bite off more than we can chew <laughs> that happened a little bit with a midsummer night's dream it's you know a lot a lot of an undertaking um so we usually try to you know always learn from what we've done before and, uh, and and apply that to the future. So um, those are some of the ideas that we're kind of looking on for for future platforms, future games. Okay, very cool. Well, let's talk about a Midsummer Night's Dream now. Um, you just finished this run um, this past weekend, and you did four shows for everybody. And uh, so, how did did you notice improvements from the Friday night uh, show moving into the Sunday night mat Sunday matinees? You know, honestly, in my opinion, at least, I think the Saturday show was the cleanest. And it's just, I think that the reason for that was because Friday, you know, people are just getting back from like a mandatory day of rest. They're kind of getting back into the swing of things. Saturday, they're a little bit more used to it again. They're back in the swing of things again. Like they're finally settled in. And then Sunday, you know, doing one show is a big undertaking in itself. Sunday, we did two shows in a row. That's like four hours for, for everybody in the cast. And it requires a lot of focus. So it can be very draining. Um, what I can say is even from the last rehearsal to the first show, the quality of the show just kept on improving. Um, so I, I am really, really proud with the work that everybody's done. But I don't, I don't know that I would say like the quality of the show increased over time it's just the performance that people got you know just like real life theater has its own little quirks that happen mm -hmm. from time to time and so it's a different show on friday than it was on sunday it's a different show on saturday than it was on sunday every single show was different every audience was different the responses that they had were different and it's just a matter of working with that and what was the overall response from people who caught the show Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, just to touch on that really quickly, I know uh, having done one or two real-life productions, there's always that moment of, oh, wow, they really liked that line, and then you like pay a little more attention to it when you perform it the next night or things like that. I'll have to admit, because I've, I've done some pretty fun shows in real-life theater, I've done... Um, 
you know, big, big fun musicals with the university and, and smaller shows with community theater. Um, I have never repeatedly seen such a large audience and such a large response from viewers anywhere else outside of virtual theater. For some reason, I, I, I don't know if it's an accessibility thing, because I mean, that's part of it, too, because like, you know, to, to have to go out, get tickets, or if you have a friend in the show, get comps and then schedule, get to the theater, take an evening off. Whereas this is people, people in the game that are playing on their own time can just swing by the house and get in line or they can pop open the stream. Uh, but just the, the level of excitement from those that came to see the show, be it in-game or on-stream, is incomparable to any real-life theater I have done. And I've done shows where I thought they were fantastic. Yeah, I definitely, as one of the people out in the audience and seeing how others were reacting to it, it felt like a lot of people, even before the show, they're just like really excited just to be there, just to have this opportunity to see a theater show. Like I went to I went to see Chicago on Broadway and that audience was so tame. I mean the show was absolutely phenomenal because I mean it's Chicago on Broadway, come on. But I mean the, the audience it felt like they were just they were just there and then they were gone. And it was like that was a great show. Nobody seems really overexcited about it. But get an audience of people in virtual theater and they're going crazy and everybody and just the energy from the audience and it builds into the cast and just just all the, the feelings and emotions and excitement. It's just it's it's just there's no comparison to it. It's amazing, honestly. And I I was extremely surprised with just how well everybody received it especially because like it's shakespeare at first glance like you're thinking shakespeare in ff14 how could this possibly be something that people are excited about but you know maybe it's a result of timing maybe there are more people out there who are interested in shakespeare than i thought there were uh but seeing the response and like how even people who were seeing the show for the first time were able to follow it and they loved what they saw and they understood the source material by seeing it in a virtual space like it's it's absolutely amazing and i didn't think that we would have like full houses almost every single show that we did yeah how many people did you actually I, have to turn away from each show sure we turned I, away I from every there was always i think because we we had a kind of like a cutoff area and i drop a, a hedge in the yard to be like okay if anybody behind this hedge enters the house it's going to start having glitch problems so sorry go catch it on stream like it's, but but always seeing that like large group of people they just have to turn around and, and leave the plot and the people coming in at the gate being like oh shoot we missed entry and turning around i'm just like come on game up your limits up your capacity give us the ability to admit more people there's i mean well, it would be like so virtual, nice if we could it's like a virtual version of the fire marshal and the thing is, we deliberately, the way that we marketed the show this time around, we were trying to get people to go to the stream because it's a very long show and we didn't really have the ability to put on any encore shows uh, because of the scheduling of the other actors. It was very hard to put on a VIP show. So we were deliberately like, in a way, I want to say we were hiding the in-game information. It was still there, but it was a little tougher to find than usual. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, that was... Sorry to cut you off, but we, we like, I remember that, if, I think it was Friday afternoon, and I went out to the ushers and everything, and I said, do not 
promote this in game. We need to keep it, you know, we're only doing one show. I don't want to have a big line and we still got a big line. <laughs> and it was just We weren't shouting in towns, we weren't doing anything like that, and still there was we were turning down people every show. And it's kind of sad to see that, but also, you know, wow, word really got out and people really wanted to see that show. Yeah, I, I remember I, I attended the Friday night show and I, you actually we actually had to have 10 people leave because there was issues with glitching. Felt bad yeah, when we got in, but... We, we gave them, and we, we gave them to, uh, I think almost all of the people that left came back the next night and we got them in first thing. Wonderful. But um, even, even with counting out people... Um, we ended up, and because the other problem too is the, the cast and crew, I think it was 26 people before we could even admit audience. And there's a, there's about, once you hit about 90 people in a house, that's when character models start to have load issues. Um, and so we kind of forgot that we had 26 people in the house and we admitted about 10 too many. And then that was when I saw on the camera, people coming in and out and I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. This is going to take 20 minutes. <laughs> but uh, but uh, other than that, I thought you guys did an amazing job, you know, catching those limits. Because, I mean, we had talked about it a little earlier. Your, the house, the stage has 400 items in it in order to make everything work out properly. You have this house absolutely pegged with every item you can get in there. Um, so that takes up a lot of memory for, um, for the system and for the instance. And then, like you said, when you've got... Uh, a hundred uh, character models in, in the game that are moving around that it starts to really, you know, take a little bit away from what they can actually display because, you know, these aren't like the, the overworld instances where you've got uh, a ton more models that are available like that. And it's in such a smaller area, but uh, it would be nice if, if there was a way they could actually increase the limits that they have for people to see stuff. But I suppose a lot of it's still based on the old 1.0 spaghetti code. Mm-hmm. That's that's my strong suspicion of Hashtag it all. Hashtag PS3 like, limitations. I mean, even if it wasn't PS4 <laughs> uh, yes, limitations. Even if it's not a quote-unquote spaghetti code thing, which I have a lot of issues with, but we'll save that rant for later. Like this uh, system was made with uh, the game parts of it in mind. It's not optimized for putting on a show, so. Unless you had like a purpose-built virtual space for that, there's always going to be these limitations because it's aimed more towards what are the needs of it for the game. Well, they say that, and then you look at Crossworld Hunts. You know how bad those are, though. I mean, you get a really yes. I mean, it it gets terrible. You think the model clipping on our show was bad? (laughs) You haven't you you weren't there first week when. Everyone, everyone was out trying to get the uh, the world boss fates down to get their stuff farmed. Oh yeah, we sure. were there, and it was it was horrible. I mean, it, it gets so bad that it it actually causes um, the the newest graphics cards to just start choking on on frames, and it, it, sure, it, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But, and but are when they you going look to at be- the breakdown? It's a CPU binding. It's CPU bound. But are they going to uh, build something, uh, spend the development time to build something that will be okay for that and then massively over-engineered for the other 11 months of the year? 
Well, we'll have to see. You know, like I said, it's something just from like, a def, yeah. The, but just from a def cost perspective, if it's something where it's going to be just in the immediate thing of a, a patch re- of an expansion release, as opposed to all the other time, maybe it's not worth it to over-engineer just for that one case, and then have spent way too much to justify during the rest of it. No, and and that makes absolute sense. And and this discussion is something that we can talk about another time. Yeah, it just uh, happened to kind of somewhat fit in with uh, with the uh, the item limits within uh, instance servers right now. Um, but let's talk. go back to talking a little bit about uh, the script. Now, the original Midsummer Night's Dream is three to four hours long, um, and mm-hmm. you guys had to rewrite this down to a yeah. two-hour production. Uh, I think there was an entire subplot that mostly got trimmed. We did trim out a lot of the play within a play uh, subplot, and instead what we decided to do was make it like a featured player sort of thing. Um, so we partnered up with uh, Stelazio Virtual Theater, which is a performance troupe on Diabolos, um, and they ended up putting on their play within a play, which was kind of a parody of the way that we do Canary, so it was like a production of Canary Gone Wrong, uh, was what it turned into. There were a lot of corpses on the stage at the end. <laughs> there, every, somebody has to die every show. It does. It, it does fit too. Because the other thing too is we we wanted it to be you know a funny farce. We we wanted to keep within that whole you know Shakespeare put that play within the play at the end of the play to make fun of his plays. It's a lot of play. Um, a lot of play on plays. Uh, anyway, uh, and and so we kind of wanted to do something like that. So I said, can you know, can you do something like Canary reprise reprise, but really bad, and everybody dies at the end. Um, <laughs> But, and uh, and it, they did an absolute fantastic job, and it was also able, like, a lot of people, too, um, we weren't sure the level of familiarity with Shakespeare the community would have or the actors. And so we also did, you know, swap things out to try and make it a little bit more relatable and understandable so they didn't feel alienated by the literature. Um, having reprise, reprise from Canary be the play within the play, we figured that would be a really great way to, you know, kind of hook people, uh, especially closer to the end of the play when when you're running on almost two hours and you're just like, we, we want to make sure that, you know, they don't, you know, we change things up a bit for them. Um, what else? There was um, some also, of the... I was going to say, it's also a really nice throwback to your guys' beginnings. That too, because a lot of the a lot of Stelazio have been uh, they they are prior a stage a, a bunch of them are prior stage reborn team members uh, back from Canary. So a lot of the people that were in the play within the play were actually original players in Canary too, um, which was amazing to have them on stage to you know all have uh, everyone together on stage again. Um, another thing we did with the script, and actually this is something that is, is commonly done in real life, because I mean. When you see Shakespeare plays done by universities and whatnot, they're always like, you know, two, two and a half, 245 for running time, even though they're three to four hour plays and original cuts. And what directors do is they almost always trim down Shakespeare to be a couple hours because they know if they go too, too long, they're going to have issues with the actors, with the audience. Um, and so it's a, it's a common thing. Um, we cut out a lot of, like, Oberon has a ton of monologuing that he does. Yeah, every, yeah. You know, like, he'll ramble, ramble, ramble. And it's, it's part of why, like, we, we had some scenes where, like, Puck would, like, pull out a tone phone and start, like, texting while Oberon's monologuing. <laughs> Just, like, come on, Oberon. Like, he's, he's used to that. Or, like, 
There was one part where Oberon, after that phone part, Oberon just goes back into ramble, 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 and Puck is like, no, stop it, no more. Yeah, and so Oberon has a lot of monologuing that he does throughout the play, and so we figured, we, we identified parts where we were like, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to try and trim down as much as we can, and we can probably make Oberon ramble a little less, but use Puck to help get that point across that Oberon rambles too much. Um, I had wondered about the tone of Stone coming out what was going on with that <laughs> that was pretty good it was pretty it was it genius. was 100% intentional like I brought up the fact of you know with how long this next or uh, this next segment is nanners go ahead and give it a try turn on your tone phone like do something to make it indicative that you're bored yeah, so we did that, and then Puck, like, fell asleep in the middle of the thing. Yeah, I feel like Puck is the one who can most get away with that kind of uh, anachronistic fourth wall breaking. Puck definitely is a fourth wall breaker, especially at the very end, and one of the reasons wall. why we decided to move um, Puck's final monologue to the final bow is it's really an, it's an address to the audience saying, hey, if you didn't like this, just think of it as a dream. And if you did, then clap for us. But <laughs> it's it's very much like a a message from the actor uh, was what what I ended up learning about that particular monologue. It's it's definitely like Puck's actor breaking character and saying, you know, I hope you like the show. Thanks for watching. Yeah, and there's and one one final thing on the script edits. Um, we spent oh, how many months editing the scripts? Uh, the it took internal several weeks over a year. Well, I mean, from time when we when someone actually sat down and started working on it to when we were done, well over a year. But the actual, the actual time we were really sitting down doing it, I don't know. I think that was about a month and a half, and so most, most of me going through and learning Shakespearean English a little better, so I could go okay. This part can go away. This part shouldn't impact anything. I think we could strike this. The cool part was we had a lot of different people with different experiences with Shakespeare. So we had people who were like, well, I have, I'm not new or I am new to Shakespeare. I think this part should go. And then somebody who was older to Shakespeare, somebody more familiar would say, no, I think this is important to the story. We should leave this in. Or maybe you're right. You know, maybe some part that they thought was completely crucial isn't so crucial after all and it works well in the story and so we were able to just kind of put together all of these perspectives and come up with a play that was a length that was doable um but then also come up with a script that kept true to the story while leaving in really what we wanted in to lend to that how many people were involved in the rewrite oh gosh i want to say like eight i think it was eight total because it was um it was kind of an internal volunteer project where we reached out to, you know, even our, our media people. I even offered it to our legal team. I was just like, anybody who wants to be involved in this, you know, it doesn't matter your experience level because, like, um, a couple of us who, like, I, I kind of specialized in Shakespeare with my theater degree. So I kind of, I would, I would let people do suggested edits and then I would do final review and kind of like what Emmy said, I'd be one of the more senior people who said, you know, okay, well, you know, we can take these cuts. These we might have to adjust because this is important to the plot. Um, so I would have kind of that, you know, final level to, to make sure we were staying true, um, not just to the, the arc of the play, but also um, language stuff. 
Um, also, some of the the iambic pentameter, the the way the play is written and spoken, like I would review for that as well. Um, during live rehearsals, we also had a dramaturgy who helped with some of that as well, which was fantastic. Um, and then it was kind of like it was like a free for all where everybody could pitch in with comments and suggestions on on where to cut and edit things. Um, so it was really a, a big collective effort from the whole team, and I'm super super happy and proud of all the work that they put into it. So it was a and the other by thing, committee then at, the, at that point. It was, and then during the show, even after we had made all of those initial cuts, um, Wander and I were continued continuing to talk about where can we change things. You know, where can we make things that tie a little bit more toward. Um, FF14, where we don't affect the pentameter and where we don't, you know, make any big changes to the rhythm because rhythm is very important and we wanted to stay true to that. Um, where can we make changes? For example, Lysander. Lysander ended up being a female because of the way that we just so happened to cast it. And we were like, well, Lysander, do we want to keep Lysander as a female? Do we want to keep Lysander as a male? And we said, okay, let's let's make Lysander a female, but then we had to make a couple of changes to the plot line to make it make sense, because like Oberon, for example, says there's this guy that you should put the you know, the juice of the flower on his eyes. And if Lysander's a woman, how does that work? Um, so then we changed it to like Puck mistakes Lysander as being a man, and we, you know, start out with even EGS at the start, saying this man hath, which was the initial <laughs> script, and then changing it to this girl. So we've established now Lysander might be, you know, at first glance mistaken as a man. So maybe <laughs> Our, Puck's actions were reasonable. Or maybe EGS is a dead naming fucktard. That too, but I think I think both Puck and EGS maybe have the same the same uh, confusion level at the very least. Yeah. But I like it adds a fun little level of gender queerness to this thing that's already messing around with all these romantic relationships, and so I thought it made a really nice touch. Yeah, so we we did make changes to the script even as you know the the actual content of the script was was finalized. We made like little changes to uh, meddling monkey, for example, one of Oberon's lines saying like when when Titania wakes and looks upon whatever animal it is, we changed monkey to moogle because we just thought, well, it fits the fits the meter and it works in well and now people know, oh, we are going to be referring to some things that are familiar within the FF14 or, you know, Final Fantasy universe. Yeah. Or like the bit where Bottom has a Namazu head and instead of talking about wanting things that a donkey would want, like in the original talks about things that a Namazu would want. Yes. I hope you enjoyed our fish jokes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those were a lot of fun to make. You mean, yes, yes. And it also took a lot of effort to make yes, yes. We did. <laughs> oh yeah, because you still have to make the meter work during the whole thing. Yeah, yes. to make the meter work and then also, like for example, Bottom, even though he's talking in prose, um, we were looking at, well, what would Namazu eat? So I had to go to the Musecast Discord and say, hey guys, what what in lore do they eat canonically? What would they enjoy? And so we got some suggestions from that, and we, we put that in. Uh, so there's a lot of research going on on how to make changes, and some of them were made pretty early on, and others... You know, especially those smaller text changes came in a lot later in the process. And the, the tea versus wine was also a very nice touch since uh, they seemed to get drunk off of that instead. Indeed. It, I guess very clever. Like I said, it was definitely noticed, but it was a very nice way to put it within the, the confines of 
the game that we're doing this in as well. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about casting. You mentioned you know you had to make a few changes to the script based off of how you decided to cast the roles. Now, what was the process like in order to cast for a, a performance of this size? So this. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I hear somebody no, trying to start. I was actually just going to say because I need to be right back for like 30, 60 seconds, real quick. However, Emmy was like the the most important person involved with casting. I know we co-directed and I, I had some involvement with it, but Emmy did a ton of work with casting so she can answer all those questions related to it too. And I so, imagine that casting in a virtual space, like you're looking for something slightly different in an audition than you would for something in a, a real life space. A little bit. So when we're looking, especially for ASR, Oh, we aren't looking so much for skill level because we want to make it accessible to everybody, including people who want to do something for the first time. So we did have a lot of people who had been in shows before and clearly we knew they had a lot of skills. So um, we we're like, if, if the opportunity arises to cast them, then we would. Um, but then there were also some new people who wanted to come in. And so this year we did something a little bit different. Um, normally what we would do is we would say either we can come visit you on your server and you can do like a live audition, some kind of macro that you create. Um, we can teach you how to make a macro if you don't know how. Alternatively, you can make like a YouTube video and send it to us. And as long as you're willing to make a character on Diabolos, uh, then that'll serve as your audition. But this year, because it was Shakespeare, because it was a little bit of a different medium, we decided that we were going to do a few different workshops on understanding Shakespeare, trying to get into like the mind of a character with Shakespearean English, because I mean, it's, it's really almost like another language to some people. Um, so if you came to, to the workshop and you participated, then that would also count as an audition. And what we would do is we were looking for Skill in executing macros, of course, but for the people who are coming in for the first time, it's really more so willingness to learn. Um, how quickly are they picking up like critique? How are they working with others? Um, and so a lot of that played into whether or not somebody was cast. And, um, you know, skill did play a, a big role in it, but we started the casting process. We started the casting process actually a while before the show. Um, and then I want to say like a month or so before rehearsal started, we really made this big push to try to get as many people as we could to audition. Because this is the biggest cast that we had to work with. You know, cast and crew together, Wanderers had like 26 people. It's a lot of people to, to try and get cast. And when you um, consider so, the non-stage support, that's about another four or five, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, so it was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. Um, so we were we were advertising in game. We were advertising on the Discord. You know, for example, I was like, "Hey, Moose, I know you've never done theater in in FF14. Would you be interested in trying out?" So I would like reach out to people I knew and be like, <laughs> "If you're even curious about this." Maybe consider trying it out. It's a lot of fun. And like, even if you didn't know how to do it, we're willing to teach you as long as you're willing to put in the effort. Um, so that was, that was really how auditions worked. And even in this case, we had to pull in a good number of ASR staff just because of how big the cast was. Um, but overall, like we, we took a lot of notes on how people did during auditions. Um, 
what we thought of like their current skill level and then a lot of like the what we saw in them like as places where they could grow and how much of a role we thought they would be able to really handle for the show. Um, it's a lot based on availability, it's some based on skill, it's some based on personability. Um, there are just a lot of different factors that we take into account, but experience is not always the primary factor. Um, it helps. So it helps. It helps a lot, but it's not required because we're very much about trying to open up, like, trying to open up the ability to, to spread what we know to other people, too. Oh, All the macro knowledge, we're willing to help. <laughs> I thought I saw it on the camera. Whoops. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. And he's gone. he's gone. I had a short note on casting, too. Like, and also, I know usually I, I've had for almost every project, um, I've had some directing capacity in it. Uh, this was the first one I co-directed, and then the only show I didn't direct was Canary Reprise. Um, some of it also depends on who you have as a director as well. Like, for example, you know, um, if you're a personable, if, if you're personable or not, can factor in a little bit too, because like, you know, you're you're going to be with a cast and crew and a team, and things will get stressful, and we need to know like, are you know, are you going to be a team player? Are you going to be able to get the work done? Um, are you going to be responsible and accountable? Um, so you know, just even if you have zero theater skills, if you have good soft skills and you're just a good person that's interested in learning, you know, that's that in itself is a, a very useful thing. Um, that's often in the real life. It's one of the things that affects casting because the director wants to know that they can rely in and work with that person. Um, and then another thing too is like, you know, every director is going to have different tastes. And I know um, in the future, we're going to be trying to get more and more different people, even some community members in directing rather than having a staff member do it, maybe just with our guidance. Um, but like, for example, one thing with me is um, when I ask to see people's technical skill with theater, like their experience with the material, um, their understanding of it, and their technical for as far as Final Fantasy XIV is concerned, their, their technical ability with macros, movement, emotes, abilities. Um, usually what I'm gauging for there is, you know, are you able to handle a complicated role or do you need a more introductory role? And you can you can play a lead role and have it be introductory. You can also play a lead role role and have it a lot more complicated. Um, and on an audition, it kind of it gives us the opportunity to see what we can do with the role as well. Because there, I mean, you probably saw during the show, there were some complicated movements where like people would use character turns during emotes to make the emote look more momentous than it actually is. Um, I know Peace Blossom did that a lot where she'll like throw her arms up and kind of do a spin at the same time. Um, you know, that's something where when we're testing your technical skill, we're also asking ourselves, is this somebody that I can have them do a macro with emotes, manual movement, and all sorts of complicated stuff? Or do we want to keep it a little simpler? So it's not necessarily about getting into the show. It's just, you know, knowing what we can do with the role we'd like to see you in. Now, yeah. quick follow-up question on the casting side of it. Um, and you had talked about there were a bunch of people who, uh, you know, haven't had much experience um, joining you did you get a bunch of new first timers who auditioned for midsummer night stream we did um i i am not entirely sure with like how many people were first timers in past performances 
And I think that because we had a big cast, it really just opened the door. That and uh, cross world, like world visit, really allowed more people to be able to try out for the first time, um, come out for workshops, and be able to just take their main character and just have them come visit Diabolos and do that. Um, so we did have a lot of people who tried out for the first time, but even among those first timers, there was a lot of variance in skill. There were some people who really didn't know a whole lot about macro making, and we had to teach them pretty much from the ground up. There were some people who already had done a lot of macro making before, just hadn't done it on on stage. There were some people who were very good at making like big acting decisions, but they might not have been like the most agile and being able to handle a lot of things at once. And so it's all things that we take into account for which character you play. But actually one of the things that we didn't really take too much into account was like the gender or the race of the character. Um, I think we, we try to be pretty open in terms of, you know, who we're willing to cast as somebody. So like, for example, you don't have to be a male to be Oberon. As we've seen, we we had a female Lalafell be Bottom, but Bottom was a male. That's okay. Uh, we made it work. We had a female Lysander, so I mean, you it's did come to me at the last minute. <laughs> we did, but like we're we're able to adapt to different different things, and we try not to make people change too much if we can avoid it. Also, I just have to say, having a big, imposing Fiera as the King of the Fairies, like, it's like, okay, this is one that's, like, maybe a little more towards the uh, masculine side, like, not fully, like, one heart. Like, it's kind of fun to see it's like, okay, it's Faye messing around with stuff. It kind of worked. Especially once you started performing, it's like, okay, yeah, I can go with this. You, you just accept it, really. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a big thing that you don't get in real life that I really like to, to do and, and, and support and promote within our own organization is that, you know, in real life, you're, there's, you can't get around typecasting. People will cast you. I mean, there's, there's some shows where you'll get a director that will, that will gender bend the show, that will change up what the role is traditionally to, to change it into something it's not. And those are few and far between from my experience. Um, with what A Stage Reborn does, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your character design is. You know, we will accept. If you walk through our door and you want to do theater, you want to do something creative, we will accept you. And it, no questions asked. Hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the part that you dreamed of. We had so many people trying out and they're like, we want to be Hermia. And somebody, or we want to be Helena. And actually somebody who I don't think ever considered themselves as being cast as uh, Helena ended up being our Helena, but I we're mean, casting for whatever we we think you're going to be. You're going to be able to rock. I was to say, you know, in that circumstance, you kind of appreciate it to how, like, uh, you know, many years ago when Mark Hamill was still kind of a kid, right? Uh, they were looking for voice actors for the Batman animated series. And he's like, you know, yeah, I'm going to apply for that, but I, I kind of want to do, uh, like, Clayface or something, right? And, he, and you know, they turn around and say, you get to be the Joker. And he's like, no. Because <laughs> he was, you know, everyone remembers Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, the ultimate good guy. He's like, how can I be the Joker? And well, <laughs> Turn out, oh yeah, he happens rest. to actually be the voice of the Joker. And the rest is his down. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I oh, still like, refer to that. You think one. about it like that, and it's like, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. I still refer to that one Batman episode whenever I have the opportunity. The one where Mark Hamill plays every part in it. Oh, oh yeah. That episode. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to uh, touch base, now talk with Moose real quick. Being This was one of your first times uh, doing theater like this. What was your experience on that? You know, how you were cast, the casting process, and then moving into um, the actual performances. If he's still here. Sorry, was that towards me? Yes, Moose. Yes, was it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry, someone was talking to me. Sorry, Moose. So what, what was your uh, experience like being this was your first time um, going to a stage reborn, um, you know, and, and auditioning for the part and then the practice and uh, going into the performances? Oh, yeah, I just Perhaps got reached made, out but... to by... Uh, I just got reached out to by Emmy while they were looking for people and... Uh, I don't even really know what my formal edition consisted of because I mean we talked a couple of times, but I never formally submitted stuff. Um, but they were just like, "Yeah, you can be Aegeus," and I was like, "Oh, I don't even know if I have the time." And they're like, "Oh, you could be Aegeus," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Behind the scenes, we were like, "We know that Moose's schedule is probably not going to allow him to do something really big," and we also know. He hasn't done any sort of onstage experience. What do we think would be manageable for him? If he wanted, if he were to do anything in the show, we're like, well, Aegeus is pretty much at the very start and at the very end. I think we could work with that. And to their credit, like anytime I had questions, they were there to answer them. Um, I would work on macros off the clock and they'd come visit me and check in on them and give me feedback when I wanted it. I mean, they were always there if I needed some. Very nice. So and do you was... feel like you'd be better situated to do a larger role in the future? larger maybe but looking at the people who had the largest roles in this play i think i have a while to go i think you did very well though but it's something oh, you're definitely you. interested in continuing in uh pursuing yeah if i had the time i'd definitely do it again because i mean when you're in the middle of the process it seems like wow this is a lot of hours for rehearsal or things get a little tense and you're like oh i don't know if i can do this but like when you're at the end of the show you don't even want it to happen. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely uh, understand that. Um, let's talk about set design. Now, um, if you're with us live here at twitch.tv slash Radio, or if you happen to catch the the actual uh, um, performances, either live or on uh, A Stage Reborn's Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash A Stage Reborn, um, you'll notice that the stage is very grandiose, and it's 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 amazing. They're, they're, yeah. They have so much going on to make it look like... Um, like, wandering uh, around before the show, it, I actually got the vibe of, of being in an abandoned theater. Or, like, not an abandoned one, but one that's, like, between shows. The set is still up, but the audience is empty, the cast isn't around. Like, just this set gave me that vibe. It's like, okay, wow, they actually really captured the feel of a theater. Now, what was the setup like for this? I know there are a lot of little hidden uh, tricks and, and things that you had to uh, uh, tweak and uh, somewhat break or glitch to get things to work properly. What was that process like, Wander? I know you spent most of the time on that. It was... Um, it, it was a process. I mean, ultimately, to, to, 
the to actually get everything put in place only took me i think the bulk of it was done over a two to three day period um a lot of it was kind of just you know getting the concept and understanding the the design i wanted um some of it i did take from like like sometimes people would send me a message and and like they'd see uh you know see a pasho or be familiar with our work and be like you know oh you should try doing this um like one of the, the one of the first concepts was you know when I sat down and and we were like okay we're gonna use uh, we're gonna use eight three of beds for the stage. Um, question one is how do I want the audience to see the show? Uh, because that's that's ultimately you know it's not it's not about the it's not always about the actors and the set they get to work with but it's about the audience seeing the show at the end how they how they see the show getting put on and I said. Um, Back in 2017, when we did The Worker, we had a raked audience, um, and that's what this is called, where you, have the, where you have the seats kind of going up in a tier like that. It's called a, a raked audience. Okay. Uh, I want to give them a more, you know, kind of like going to the globe or something where, where you have, you know, these, these kind of railings and stuff and, and higher up seats, not quite amphitheater, but, but something like that where you're, where you're able to pick up a, a seat close to the stage or higher up and look down on the stage. Um, so then the, the next question was, uh, okay, how much of a pain in the ass do I want to make this for myself? And the question, the answer to that question was more than ever before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's always that answer. And so, uh, so then I kind of, you know, got the seats in place because I, I have to float a lot of stuff from the ground floor all the way up. I'm going to flip the camera uh, around so people watching this either live or on VOD can see what the stage looks or what the seating looked like uh, to the uh, actors. And, and you have to float those from the ground up in like these teeny tiny increments. So every single individual seat, you're trying to make sure that it all lines up in the right spot, you know, at the right height. There's a lot of work involved. And it ends up being seating for about 90 people. Is that correct? 84, although that was over capacity. Technically, we were only able to admit 65. Of the public, um, so we have more, more seats than we can actually uh, fill, um, but only by a few. So probably I could probably gotten rid of the back row, but um, but anyway. So after making sure that I have the audience set up, then I have to kind of figure out uh, because especially when you're glitching items in 14 specifically, there's things like all these troop stages, and there's I believe 16 troop stages total. Um, all of these are tabletop items. So if there's anything like these plants that are near us that latch onto tabletops, I need to be very careful because if I mess up a glitch, um, I can accidentally unfloat an object or I could, uh, you know, if I if I have to refloat something and it catches onto another object, all of a sudden I have a flower pot floating 20 feet in the air, and I'm like, oh crap, where did that come from? Um, especially with things like lights hidden in the set to give an ambient glow. And actually, I should probably turn the lights off so you can see all the ambient glowing. Um, yeah, I noticed there was like like the ones in the audience seating area. Uh, those ones I found a number of the lights hidden under there. It's like, oh man, it does create that kind of soft glowing effect. Right. It makes it have that more ethereal fairy effect. I'm spinning the camera around the so you guys can and see these glows and um, the sparklies and just all that, the little touches that uh, Wanderer went through to, to oh, yes. set the mood. The magical bed of leaves. Like, that's very much a fairy forest thing there. And that was the, the other thing, too, is so after, you know, once I figure out how I want the audience to see the show, then I have to figure out 
okay, so how am I going to represent all these scenes? Um, with, a, with a glitch stage like this, you can't really do set changes. So I needed, I needed the, the Duke's Palace and the Forest to be together as one set. I also needed to make sure that the audience wasn't too close or too far from the stage, so that way they can, you know, um, especially with all the nameplates that were on stage, you know, so that depending on how their views were set up, I, I need to make sure that everybody had a decent shot of the show. Um, so after that, it was kind of just like piecing together, okay, I'm going to have the castle in the background with the moon backdrop, I'm going to have all the foresty stuff close to the audience, because we spend most of the play in the forest. Um, I don't want the forest to block the castle, because I want it to play as both, uh, so we'll just have a lot of the forest scenes be closer up, and some of the more castle scenes have entrances and exits from the back, set it up like that. Um, then I think it was actually uh, Zainava who sent me a message one day, and it was just like, um, you should you should have the actual red curtains like in a real life theater sometime. And as soon as that got sent to me, I said, "Okay, that's my next glitch." Uh, so then I floated all those, which those are the worst part of this set to set up. Getting those curtains floated up there because especially the, the ones in the center, like the the stairs are right there. So in order to do that, I needed to line everything up. But I needed to glitch the one in the center and make sure it lined up with all the other ones. And then I had to float to, or I had to, I had to put a stage panel down. And then I had to float another stage panel above that stage panel so I could use a shelf to float all the way, all those objects all the way up to the ceiling there. Um, each curtain took 20 to 30 minutes to float up there. So that's, uh, you know, we've got one, two, three, four, five, five curtains up there times half hour each. That's two and a half hours of just floating curtains. Um, and that's to say nothing of when you realize that, oh, this plan you had doesn't actually look quite as good in real life and you need to redo the whole thing. That happened several times where that center curtain was the bane of my existence. And, and Dex can tell you because... And here's a few times where I finally finished floating all five, and he'd come over, and he'd be like, the center one's off by a couple pixels, and I'd have to start over. Uh, and so that, and, and, and for, for something, and it's funny, because, like, that's the level of detail that we put into every aspect of our programs and activities. Like, we don't want to just slap things up. Like, we, we don't want to throw people on stage to smash buttons and run off stage. We don't want to just throw items down. Like, we want to really try to give a true experience both on the technical side and the real theatrical side um so you know we, we put all that detail into things like that even even knowing that maybe maybe 10 people in the entire production noticed that those curtains were glitched up there and that takes a lot of work like we we do it because we we just want that overall experience to to just be that quality yeah. um i've so also I uh, just want to throw on, I've also often felt, even if you don't notice the specifics of a particular thing, like the specifics of those curtains, it does kind of contribute to this overall feel of, hey, this is a really polished spot. Hey, this is a thing that overall feels really clean and put together and all that. Even if the specifics may escape someone, I think a lot of people were having the feeling of, this is a really nice spot. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's also a little bit of a technical trick, too, because if you notice, the, um, the red curtains kind of line up with the center line running through the stage. So it's also kind of a marker for actors to know, like, if you are standing center line or you're, you know, if you look up and you see the curtains and you're standing under the curtains, you are on center line of the stage, which is important for blocking as well. Oh, yeah. Um, it helps with kind of audience, um, you know, the just 
helping your eyes focus on the action. It helps frame the set rather than having a very open top uh, to distract you with the moon and whatnot. It kind of it really helps frame the action for the play. Um, so there, there's a lot of like real life design stuff that goes into this as well, uh, which is why I'm really thankful for the theater program I went into because even though I was an acting major, they made us learn technical theater because they were like nobody like if you're really lucky out of college with your theater degree you're you know you you are going to have an acting job and you'll do that and that's going to be great but a lot of you are going to go out there and you're not going to get paid as an actor for a long time but you can't avoid theater you need to be involved in it somehow so they taught us how to do costumes they taught us tech lighting sound set design everything even if you were an actor you learn how to use all the power tools um and that applies here too because you know we we learned how to do all of these extra things that just you know it, it really allows you to to run a true full production uh the way you would expect in real life um but getting getting back to the glitches and stuff once um usually we do the the most difficult glitching we try to set up first um just to make sure that it gets done and doesn't have to be moved like those curtains um and then and that's when we kind of start filling out the stage like getting in all the verdant partitions um getting in all the the greenery and everything the uh, the ambient lighting that we toss in there the sparkling effect on the some of the pillars um because also you, we have to test out lights because um we only get two spotlights to work with. So we have to make sure that we can get dynamic enough lighting for scenes of the play, because you know there's a lot of daytime, nighttime stuff in this play. We wanted to help get that feeling across as well. Um, and then also make sure that there was lighting off stage for the actors behind the scenes, because in zero lighting, some people that have um, certain monitors, they, uh, zero lighting is very, very dark for them. So we try to put kind of like off-stage lights so people don't like blindly have to run around backstage under stage um what else goes into this uh oh then at the very very end there's usually quality of life set design features uh like you probably noticed the the gray railings and stairs into the audience um originally they were going to be dyed black but if we we learned that if we use slate gray, they were more visible in zero lighting and low lighting than they were uh, if they were black. So we we went with that color to help the audience see kind of the seat borders and stairs a bit better. Um, and then all of the little wooden loft stairs were to make sure people don't have to jump around like a madman when they enter the theater. They can actually like walk to a seat. Um, you know, especially if somebody like disconnects or something, we, we don't want them to like be jumping in front of this Twitch camera. Um, so I remember I messaged Pat. I was just like, all right, Pat, I've got an estimate on the wooden loft steps that I need. I need you to craft 33 of them. And, uh, <laughs> did. and he died. <laughs> <sighs> and it just really felt so elegant to be like, okay, I'm going in. Oh, there's a curtain and I'm walking up the steps and there's a stage. It, it felt really fancy as one of the audience members. Yeah, that it was, really that adds was... to the experience. Just not, not just, oh, there's a play, but I'm having the entire play-going experience. Yeah, and that was another goal, too, with this set, is um, because this set was, you know, a, a lot of people, they, they often ask us, can we explore the set? And, you know, after a show's done, of course, we unlock the doors. We're like, come explore, ask questions and whatnot. Uh, but I wanted people entering to get this 
like moment of awe where they just they stop and then they have this realization i am standing in the set and then they go and they take their seat and so that's what we did with having the audience with the um the front entrance like that where where you come out and you're literally on stage before you take your seat because we wanted to give people a moment to really appreciate the true theater feel that we we provided for them um and that that is something that worked out really well oh that was a great touch as a neat parallel, we also had, during the show, characters coming in and out of and just through that center entrance that the audience was coming through, too. Oh, yeah, there were definitely some very madcap moments where you had people rushing through or coming onto the stage from all those different variety of directions. So it seems like it gave you a lot of options as well. We did. We wanted to have the ability, especially, I think, for Puck as we were designing it, to just be able to come in and out and just have that ability to be kind of unpredictable. And where is somebody going to come out next? I think one of my favorite things about this set is some of the glitched elevators that you had to create. Those are a lot of fun. Those are <laughs> That was kind of a, a quality of life thing that we've done in previous shows as well. And it lets you travel between the different floors without having to go up that center staircase. Because in the mansion, I mean, we don't want to have somebody who needs to go up the stairs, just running through the stage and going up the stairs. So those elevators just give the cast the ability to get up to that top floor very, very quickly. Um, one of the fastest, kind of most hectic things was during the end of the show for Puck, um, going back and forth across the stage for the bows, but then his final bow comes down from a balcony. And so what I'm doing there was I would just run across the stage and then immediately take the elevator upstairs and then run back down the stairs for that final bow. <laughs> so you see a lot of people or you saw a lot of people during the show using those elevators. You just didn't get to see it <laughs> during the production itself. But a lot of people were using the elevators as a great way to get around backstage. And yeah, in a, with a real-life theater... Um, you know, if even with a multi, you know, multi two, three tier set, uh, you know, usually the tech director is able to create some kind of quick impromptu staircase and whatnot. So that way, if a, if an audience member exits from one entrance, they can easily get backstage and to the other side of the stage, um, and you know, on any level of the set easily. Uh, because houses have a fixed kind of outer structure to them. Like you know, we can't get rid of the railings. We can't change how the stairs look and whatnot. Um, so we do something similar. We just we we build around it, but because we have you know we're, we're on a virtual theater we can use things like glitching to get you through a floor rather than in real life where you know we'd probably you know build kind of a trap door between the floors and a, a ladder to go up them or something we break real the life. game but we break the game with a purpose yes real life actors cannot just flex their legs and all of a sudden be up two stories correct yeah correct. uh i think the coolest one that you created was one that actually glitches you outside of the house technically Ah, the catwalk, yes. yes. That one was really cool because then you actually have it set up to where there's a spot that you can actually jump down and 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 get right to the uh, um the middle of the stage. Oh, and it does more than that. It does more than that. You can also perform effects from up there, but in such a way where you will not be seen on the stage. Oh, I see we have the same idea. Are you guys up there right now? 
Maybe. Yeah, I think they may be, they may be trying to make that happen on the stream. So you see what Wander just did? You don't see Wander on the stream, but he's up on the catwalk, and from his perspective, he's on the stage, but we can't see him. Whee! <laughs> and then and of course, you can just jump down onto the stage from the catwalk if you so choose. Yep, and you can just make a quick appearance. You know, it, if somebody is doing an effect up there, it can kind of hide their entrance, like what Wanderer just did there. He just magically appeared. I wish we could use that in the show, but it was something we discovered during it that is really interesting. <laughs> but you no, know, it, it was. Yeah. It's just those little things that uh, really I thought were cool. The fact that you were able to utilize. Oh, and up he goes again. Bye bye. <laughs> and out he comes. Yeet. <laughs> I also do love that you have your all black tech worker outfit. So the plate form. I'm I'm so, well, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. You see the, those outfits, the the falconer shirt. Um, I've been holding on to them for a year now because we plan to have the the tech people wear um, that those black falconers outfit because also it really helps you hide like wearing all the dark colors because you know we have the text uh two people for the spotlight on stage or house left house right and if they're wearing the super bright dalamud red coats they're going to be very distracting to the audience so getting them into the the falconers attire dyed black it's kind of like shakespeare-esque and it's also dark enough that they're not too distracting while they're operating those lights I remember the tech workers in all the shows I ever did. They'd be like black jeans, black t-shirt, low visibility as possible. Yep, similar to what's up here. All very cool things that you bring from real life into the game to make it uh, a similar effect. Now, let's. We're kind of running long on time. We're we're about two hours in, and this has been an amazing uh, discussion with you guys. And I'm sure we could go for another easily two hours, but uh, I think we're going to have to st uh, start winding it down a little bit here. Um, let's talk about the future for Stage Reborn. Um, what is uh, some of the things that you want to do, not only within Final Fantasy, but as far as expanding your reach of the uh, um, the charity itself? So. So some of the things I know I can mention right off the bat, um, we are preparing for a third Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Um, it's, it's a slow-evolving project because, you know, some of you might have tuned into Stage Reborn on a Sunday or for the first campaign it was on Fridays. I think we're going back to Friday evenings. Um, and, you know, watched a bunch of us playing Fantasy Grounds, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, there's some memes that we've gotten out of it, like the, the one of Dex's characters that he's run with Torch. We, we have jokes. There's a little squawky moment on our Discord server, a currency called Torch Coins used to boost posts and stuff. Um, so, but with that project itself, um, what we're trying to do with it, and I think we're, we're, at, a, we're at a phase now that we're, we're going to be able to open up to a more longer open-ended campaign for this. Um, the whole idea is that not everybody has the time to do something like a virtual theater production. Um, not everybody has the time to build up an art portfolio. Not everybody has the time to go out and do like like a, a full fan voice over of a of a series or get into voice acting that much. Like you know, people people have 
uh, socioeconomic constraints and things that prevent them to, from doing bigger, lar larger, long-term projects. So what we want to do with Dungeons & Dragons is we want to make it a platform for people to express what we're calling micro-creativity. If somebody wants to contribute uh, a single enemy, a token, um, a, a quest storyline, you know, something, you know, smaller bits of creativity that together kind of go into this melting pot of this ongoing campaign. Uh, and that's one of the projects that we're working on building up with the Dungeons & Dragons uh, streams that we do. Um, a few others, like I said, we've got the workshops that we're building up. Uh, we are actually looking into possibly getting actual like internships set up in the future. So that way, if somebody is in college studying communications, they can intern on our PR team, possibly get credit for that. Um, that's going to take a while, but that's I know one of the things I'm personally working on setting up throughout the next year. Um, let's see. There's A Stage Reborn Sings, which I mentioned earlier, our virtual choir. Um, it's going to be a lot more educational rather than, you know, we're, we don't expect people to come in with a lot of vocal experience. And it's also going to be something that the staff even will be involved in. I know Pat has told me repeatedly that I will be singing. Um, I, am not a, I am not an amazing singer. I do know music. I'm just not a great singing voice, but I will be singing for it. And so, you know, it's going to be a way for people to come in and learn music theory, learn some sight singing um you know and, and just kind of like learn some some good important choral music and build up their own repertoire because they you know people out there are interested in you know using their voice for music but you know voice lessons can be expensive choirs can be in intimidating especially in smaller communities that have a really strong choir you know you're kind of like well i don't think i'm good enough to get in yet we want to be the stepping stone for you um and so that's where that project is going to go. So look out for that announcement in a few weeks. Um, as far as longer term future, I know we're we're always thinking of what is the next level we can do, not just with our our like fourteen like projects, but other projects. So we're looking into starting to work on developing voice based projects. Um, we're going to work on some Machinima projects in the near future. I know we've had a few that have been backburnered for a little while now. I'm going to try and get them out of the woodwork. Um, and then um, then there's this one other, which I think you found the page for the other uh, when you went to see the show and you were browsing <laughs> on the website, and you found the mysterious empty ASR IRL page. Yes. So it's it's not quite a secret. We are hoping to one day get an actual performing space, not you know not like a huge theater, but but an actual physical venue where we can host real life workshops, where we can set up to do like for example some of our workshops that are currently virtual based. We want to be able to offer them in real life as well. We also want to be able to offer to local community or people that just come out here and visit. Like you know, if it's in the Midwest, it's cheap to get out here, cheap to visit here, um, and it's almost like a you could do almost like a creative retreat option for people and I would love to have a space where we can set up to be like hey if you want to run your own virtual project if you want to learn how to do something if you want to just like you know actually have equipment and stuff to work on learn with um, you know or, or even take some of the virtual things we do and flip them into in real life you know wouldn't it be wild if we could do I want to be your canary in real life wow that would like, be really cool 
So those are those are they're big lofty goals, and they're going to take a long time to work up to. But I think that's that's currently kind of our our you know above the clouds goals at this moment, at least, is to you know get a space that we can start offering even more experience and opportunities, um, you know, for for the public and for our own team. Very cool. When you get that real life space set up, you'll have to let us know. I'm actually would be very interested in visiting and taking a look at that. Maybe we can do a uh, something live from there. Absolutely. Um, and then if, if somebody wants to get involved with a stage reborn, how can they do that? I'm sure there's multiple ways to do that. Oh, yeah, there's there's a ton of ways. And it's funny because, you know, especially after the show, I'll always get messages being like, you know, uh, I want to get involved. And I'm just like, the real question is, what do you see yourself doing? Mm -hmm. Because we often take, you know, we, we're very responsive with those that want to work with us. So we'll often take what people are interested in and find a way to make it work. Um, we've gotten people that have, you know, they've jumped on as staff members in certain areas. And then after a little while, they're just like, I thought this is what I wanted to do, but it really isn't. And we'll sit down with them and go, okay, let's figure out what you like, what you don't like, and let's fix that. Um, other times we've got, we've got people who have come to us and they're just like, I want to do this specifically. And as soon as we can get them into that, we'll, we'll try and open up a position for them for that specific thing. Um, we also so. have like volunteer positions versus staff positions. So like a lot of our actors are volunteer, um, but a lot of our positions like PR, um, a lot of the community involvement is, is all staff like volunteer, you know, more permanent positions. Um, but things like show crew ushering a lot of that is just all volunteer work um and so it's like it's sort of like a one-time thing you can always audition again for something if you'd like to if you'd like to you know if you're really thrilled with being an usher you can do that or if you say hey i am i acted in this show and i think it would be really cool if i were a project manager on another show in the future you can also go from actor to staff um Sometimes it overlaps. So, you know, there you can apply as a volunteer if you want to do something for, like, one show sort of thing. You can apply as staff if you want to do something a little bit more more long-term. Um, it, it, like Wander said, it all depends on what you want to do. And now there's um, there's an actual, for, for those that are interested in actually joining the charity staff, um, that does have an application process, which if you go to ASR to join, asr.to slash join, um, that will take you to kind of a listing that shows a bunch of different of staff positions, everything from like media specialists to like we even have like if some if somebody wants my job, you can apply for it and I can step down and be advisory on the board and relax <laughs> for a year. No, but but no, really, there's it's there's, um, you know, if you've ever worked for a charity you know, it's all the positions you'd expect in there are, we ha do have them staff side. Um, there's stuff like really laid back volunteer work, like our, our Discord moderators, um, those used to be a staff role. We decided that being a moderator doesn't need to be a staff. People can, can just volunteer freely to do that. Um, you can be a moderator on Discord, Twitch, uh, occasionally YouTube live when, we, live when we do that. I think that's ASR2 mods. Yes, ASR2 mods, M-O-D-S. And then um, for actual casting calls, like, you know, if, if you hear, you know, maybe maybe we end up doing the Scottish play, and all of a sudden everyone's going like, Stage Reborn's doing the Scottish play. Wait, what's the actual name of it? We're not allowed to say it. Why? I mean, I'll, 
Are we allowed to say it? I forget if the rule is that not while you're in a theater or not while you're actually in honor. I don't actually know the rule. Behind what if we put on a Midsummer's Nightmare? Let's do that. Yeah. Well, no. Here's the thing. Um, I actually I talked to our dramaturgy. Who, if we do the Scottish play, he said he he's coming back. He's like, I demand a spot in that for dramaturgy work because we're actually going to do a workshop about the curse and some other things related to theater. Uh, but but it was it was basically decided that. If you are in a performing space, even if it's a stage reborn and it's virtual, like sitting here in this space right now in the game, um, I can't say the words. If you say the words, it's very bad and bad things. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. So, um, but no, if if we end up doing uh, you know the Scottish play or something, um, there will be a posting on ASR to talent, and that is where we post all of our cast calls, crew calls, everything there. Um, so I know it's a it's a lot of things to juggle, but we kind of you know we we always we we try to put things on the website where if somebody's just like oh I just want to volunteer mod uh, go to mod say that oh I just want to be in the show and I don't want to do other work go to talent or people who are like oh I want to join the charity and actually you know you do do that and then there's ASR joined for that. Um, for me, I'd say just go to the Discord and you can there's a good way to keep up with what we're looking for there. That's yeah. that's my opinion. Easiest way to find out, especially if we're doing current casting calls, just ask on our Discord. Yeah, almost our entire team is on Discord, and all of the staff. If you like, click on the staff members to look at their roles in the server. We actually do have uh, roles that explain um, what their actual job in the charity is. Um, let me see what color they are, because we also have some vanity roles for people. Um, <laughs> Never. They are pink. Okay, so they're 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 hot pink. So like, you know, if you if you click on Emmy, you see you know her her says like staff, board member, project manager. Um, you know, if you click on myself, it's uh, founder, staff, president, board member, executive director. Um, one else, yeah. So anyway, so it's it's very easy because all of our team, um, even though not everybody on the team is super active on Discord, I don't think I've ever seen any of the legal people chat in our chat, but they're on Discord, so you, you know it's very easy to get on there and just talk to them, ask them, say you know, hey, I'm gonna ping this person. Is, are you looking for anybody on your team? And if they're just like, oh yeah, I could use the support, we'll ping the HR people, and they'll be like, hey, this person's interested in applying. So if you see that app, pass it through to me. Um, we're very open about that kind of thing. And I know it, to some people that, you know, they, they come to one of our shows and they see this cool virtual theater thing and then they hear Wanderer on stream talking about, oh, you can join the charity staff and apply and, and talk to HR. And they're just like, whoa, hold on, what's happening? Um, we put a lot of care into our own team. We've had, you know, we were really flexible with volunteering. Uh, we work around people's schedules. It's not one of those things where it's like, you know, oh, you know, I can only contribute an hour a week. Fine, that works. That's like, that's actually our, our minimum is like, as long as you can do an hour a week, that's totally fine. Uh, and we're very understanding with, you know, scheduling and things like that. Um, one of the benefits of volunteering with us is, you know, take what we do very seriously and we are always there to be a job reference um, you know any kind of thing you need that for if if you're trying to get into a university that likes community service and you need documentation of your hours we will work with you on on making this experience help you with college um, you know where it's it's not just you know help our charity by supporting us and, and volunteering with us but you know we open it up to the public and encourage involvement because we want you to benefit 
from helping the arts by getting involved with our charity. Very nice. Now, let's say if somebody doesn't maybe have the time, but they want to donate, you know, some money to you guys, how, how can they go do, about doing that? Another short link for you, ASR to donate. And I'll put that out on there as well. And, and Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, and I know um, we list it on the donate page anyway, but, you know, a lot of times we'll get somebody who says, like, you know, hey, I really love what you do. Um, I wish I could support you, though, but my budget is so tight, I can't even, I can't Patreon for $3 a month. Um, we have a section on there that kind of explains, like, you know, certain other things that help us out, even if they aren't direct donating, like, you know, you have people have absolutely no idea what sharing our live stream events and stuff does for us like you know helping helping us get the word out there about our mission and everything um you know that's something that's valuable or there's passive things that people never knew about like um somebody might not be able to donate but they do their shopping on amazon when they do their shopping uh, if you use Amazon Smile, you can choose a Stage Reborn as your charity, and they will donate a small portion of the purchase to a Stage Reborn. Um, and that's something passive that can be done. Uh, same thing with Humble Bundle. You can choose you can choose a Stage Reborn as your charity if you're shopping on Humble Bundle and have you know select an amount to be donated to a Stage Reborn. Um, if if you are really tight on your budget but you still have Discord Nitro, you can Nitro boost our server. And what that does is in turn we um, for example, we have a, a featured users thing where every month we pick somebody who submits a banner uh, in our submission channel, and we feature somebody from the community. It could be just a live streamer. It could be Phoenix Down Radio. It could be an artist. It could be another theater troupe. Uh, we're currently we're fe featuring Stelazio as the featured user for the month, uh, but Nitro boosting us kind of like helps us do things like that that help give the rest of the community out there more options to get what they do out there as well. So um, that that donate page has it's literally you know every way that you can really support us. And then you can also find all these things at your main website, uh, astagereborn.com, correct? That is correct. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us, taking the time to uh, kind of explain what a Stage Reborn is. Give us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to create one of these pre uh, productions and uh, just kind of give us a little bit all of an education in, into what the, the background of theater was like. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Um, Moose, um, Emmy, Wanderer, uh, Dexy, thank you so much. Um, your time has been uh, really, really, really valuable to us. So thank you. Thank you for inviting us. All right, Sarah, I'm sorry to say we're going to have to push your uh, uh, your lore back two weeks. It it's fine. It's fine. We had a lot here. Yes. Man, I even had something I wanted to comment on about that, too. Well, you'll have to join us in two weeks, Emmy. <laughs> yeah. If I can. Yeah. Even if it's, it's just like in chat. An if. I don't think that's going to be an if, Emmy. I think I can... I can make some arrangements and then show you're here. <laughs> I don't think we want to have any problems. All right. All right. All right. As long as we're on the subject, can you do secret murders or violently public murders? Please no. Uh, okay, so moving on. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of, of comments I wanted to, to share with with you guys. Um, we, I got a message uh, from Shoshoya, 
uh, who won our uh, giveaway of Final Fantasy VIII. Um, they say, uh, thank you for the fun Phoenix Star Radio episode streams and everyone for the awesome four-year celebration prizes. I'm thrilled to have won, and I'm really excited to play Final Fantasy VIII again, as one of my oldest friends introduced me to the Final Fantasy universe with this back in the day when we were roomies. Sweet, sweet nostalgia remastered. I thought that was a very mm. sweet comment. Wander, clearly you need to put, ASR needs to put on, like, Selfie's uh, school festival. Mm. No comment. No comment. Mm. <laughs> Okay, one of these days you're actually going to do one of my ideas, and it's going to be great. You mean whatever? Drop, drop in the drop in the suggestions channel so that way we don't lose it. <laughs> and and uh. then they, they will drop it themselves. Um, we also you're not did, supposed to say that out loud. And then we will. We also got a new iTunes comment from Sticks Two Nine Seven. I play a guy named Nuada Kathasi. Sorry about the pronunciation. Um, on Excalibur. And this podcast has really made my recent jump in not feel so confusing or lonely. Love it. And I believe they're also a uh, um, subscriber here. So uh, thank you so much for your support here. We're glad that you're enjoying the show and it's doing exactly what we need it to do. So thank you very much. And that will do it for this episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or whatever your favorite uh, podcatcher is. Um, and if possible, try and leave us a rating or review. It helps people find us and lets us know how we're doing as well. Um, if you really dig the show, you can consider subscribing here at Twitch, at twitch.tv slash um, or by becoming a patron like our friend Aurora Fenrir out on patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio. All proceeds we get go towards growing the show, uh, cover th some of the behind-the-scenes things like the hosting costs, and allow us to do some of those fun giveaways so you guys can uh, kind of benefit as well. And it makes it a lot more fun. Any kind of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets or retweets, follows, subs, or donations, it's all greatly appreciated. We love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. If you want to check out our website with all of our back episodes and a few uh, articles, you can check that out at phoenixstarmradio.com. If you have questions, um, comments, or anything else you want to talk with us about, you can email us, podcast at phoenixstarmradio.com. We're also available on Twitter at phxdnradio and out on YouTube at youtube.com slash phoenixdownradio. Now, since we have some wonderful guests, I'd like to give them the opportunity to do some shout-outs. So whoever wants to start... A big shout out to my girlfriend for putting up with my uh, pretty sad excuses for the last three months, <laughs> putting every hour of the, my waking days on this show. <laughs> yeah, it, you'd be amazed at how much time significant others and families have to uh, give up for a, a presentation like that. So, I mean, it's it's really cool that uh, to have them understand that. Let's see. Shout out to, I'll say shout out to the Musecast Discord for helping out with uh, some of my fish jokes. And uh, shout out to Wander for being a great director mentor. Shout out to anybody who happened to watch Midsummer, And finally, shout out to Moose for letting me drag you into this. And also for putting up with me during the show. Because uh, he got to hear me rant a lot. <laughs> 
during the show. Um, but... One of my favorite parts. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, and shout out to actually shout out to my family for being interested in watching Midsummer in particular. Ooh, nice. I don't know why they were interested in Midsummer in particular, but shout out to them for watching, even if they aren't super into FF14 in the first place. Hmm. And then also, how can people find you? Uh, for me? For who? Well, a lot of places, honestly. Uh, so, of course, you can find us through all the ASR um, social media, which I'm sure Wanderer will get to. Um, I'm also the host of a podcast, Newscast 14. Uh, we have our website, newscastxiv.com. Um, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash newscastxiv. Um, and what else? On Twitter, MuseCastXIV. Just just look up MuseCastXIV on social media and you'll find all of uh, MuseCast there. And then, of course, uh, with A Stage Reborn, which is the reason we're all here, um, ASR.to is our website, discord.gg slash A Stage Reborn uh, for our Discord. You can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash A Stage Reborn. Uh, similarly, just look up the stage reborn on social media, and you'll find us there. We're practically everywhere. Very nice, Moose. Moose, or what? No, I'm gonna shout out to you guys. I was just sitting around, and I got a ping that said to come hang out. So, I mean, if you're listening to Phoenix Down Radio, keep doing that. And if you're thinking of maybe applying to or uh, auditioning for a stage report and definitely do it because I'm so glad they asked me to be a part of it and I had a really great time. You were an awesome part of the show. Thank you so much for joining us Thank on you. late notice. <laughs> Wanderer? For all of my cast and crew that may be watching or watching this in the future, Thank you for everything that you've done, all the hard work everyone's put in. For all the viewers that came to see the show, are catching the show um, live right now on the, the YouTube clip that we have, or for those that end up finding this after we get the cinematic out there. Um, and I want to thank you guys at Phoenix Down Radio for being super supportive and dealing with my rambling and us taking up more time than you, you planned with us. No, we, um, we planned to have you guys take as much time as you needed. I mean, we've had shows go much longer than this, but uh, we figured... And they were less interesting. Exactly. Just saying. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are fantastic, and we, we, we all at the, on the team really, really appreciate and, and look forward to, you know, your show and your support and everything. Thank you so much. Um, geez, there's a whole list of people I could thank, um, but I know you all know who you are because you're all watching this, or not, but thank you to everybody and my family out there. I know my dad sometimes digs around and he finds these videos, so dad, if you're watching this, thank you for supporting the stage reporting ever since Hi, I'm dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then how can they find you and, and uh, you as well moose i forgot to ask that for you too oh i'll let moose go first for sure. wait, wait, wait. how can people so find you out on the social medias oh um geez uh really just twitter at anani moose xiv or crash gamer escapes discord or uh come to the lore forum that's really where anybody finds And wander. For me, I'm 
mostly exist on twitter.com slash Steve Pedersani. Um, and otherwise, uh, you could just find me where Emmy said to find a stage reborn stuff. I'm usually found lurking around the stage reborn discord as well, wanderer0001. And uh, that's where you can find Oh, I forgot. I have a personal Twitter as well. Can I throw that in? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is there time? Uh, my personal Twitter, I'm not on super often, but you can find me at Emily Koch, K-O-C-H-V-A, on Twitter. And Dexy, did you have a Twitter you wanted to share? Mm, just the Estage Reborn one. Or they can find you out on the, the Discord. Yeah, find me on Discord. It's so much easier. Discord.gg slash Estage Reborn. Mm-hmm. Should be in Twitch chat, I think. Yeah, we, we've put it in there a few times. <laughs> and it'll all be linked in the show notes as well for those listening on the podcast. And Sarah. All right. So uh, shout out to the cast and crew of Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, it was a really fun experience. I haven't been to a play in years, and it was reminding me of all the reasons I love to go and making me excited about it, the idea again, as well as the idea of actually acting one. So thank you so much for that. Uh, shout out to the folks who I uh, attended along with. Shin, uh, Flattis, Chili. I feel like there were a couple other people, but I can't remember who right now. I think Vivian was in there as well. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, continued shout out to Carbuncle Plushie for your fishing timer that has made it a lot easier to keep track of the few that I still need to get. Uh, you <laughs> have to keep me from lapsing into even worse insanity. Uh, shout out to Rockle Montaigne who uh, took a lot time out of his presumably busy schedule to go around and get me a whole bunch of blue magic spells. I really appreciate it. It was fun hanging out with you. And shout out to the Great Serpent of Ronka for making our lives better with your glorious scree. Scree! Scree! And how can they find you? Uh, you can find me... Generally, the best one is going to be on Twitter at F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R where... I post pictures of random stuff that I cooked, uh, fun stuff I found at the library, and lately, indignant responses to Moose's tagging me in all sorts of horrific pictures. What is wrong with you, Moose? I think that sounds right. way worse than it actually was. Okay, no, that that Hades Kingdom Hearts thing should not be. You do not encourage the fandom. Oh, all right, I'll take credit for that one. Oh, very nice. And I want to shout out to everybody who joined us tonight. Shout out to Talas for joining us earlier tonight um, and your interesting circumstances. I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us at the beginning of the show. Uh, shout out to Wanderer, Emmy, Moose, and Dexy. Thank you for your time. Shout out to Sarah for helping me put together the uh, interview questions and notes for this week. And uh, shout out to everybody watching us live here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix Star Radio and listening out on the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all of your time. Uh, and we hope that we continue to put out uh, um, fun episodes for you guys. And like I said, I mean it. If you have any uh, suggestions, questions, or anything like that, make sure to get a hold of us. We'll be more than happy to uh, um, work something like that into one of our shows or a stream in the future. So for our guests, uh, Wanderer Sabaku, for Scoot Patoot, for Dexy, for Anonymous, and for um, Talas and Sarah, I'm Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thanks again for joining us. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. 
In-game content for Phoenix Town Radio is copyright on Square Enix. Open the music for Phoenix Town Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash guiltygearrocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out our full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash guitarwanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.